This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. You've told me like four times. I can hear you breathing. Stop breathing. I don't, I don't think breathe. I said stop breathing. I to be honest, I did not say stop breathing. Rich asked me to stop breathing. That's I wouldn't be the first th- person in, uh, in the wrestling world to tell you to stop breathing. And after this show, you won't be the last. <laughs> and Rich Crage. Joe, are you ready for Roadblock End of the Line? Roadblock End of the Line. 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 Roadblock End of the Line seems to have some buzz. A lot of buzz from Roadblock End of the Line. It really does. And we are live here on the flagship podcast. I am Rich Krejci, but he is not Joe Lanza. We have a special guest with Joe in New Jersey. We brought on a very, very special guest, a person I've wanted. I've I've talked to plenty of times on WrestleMania weekend shows, talked to on other random shows, spent an entire night at All Out with, but I was very, very pleased to ask him to come onto the show and help us out in Joe's stead. It is the one and only Suit Williams. Suit, what's going on? The way you said the that we spent the entire night. Oh, that does. <laughs> that, I mean, I mean, it was a good time. It wasn't that good. Yeah, oh, like, gee, I, I I had a much different take on this. Wow, this is going to be an awkward uh, two to three hours now. I thought we. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, yes, yeah, so that's suit. So yeah, let's talk about revolution then. I guess. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. I um. Man, I was. I I thought we had a moment, but I okay. That's fine. If if you didn't think so, then fine. We're just friends. Just friends. I mean, <laughs> I mean the way you were saying it. It was a little, yeah. Not, not yeah. to point out the wording uh, is is a little strange. Spent an entire night at all out with also like twenty other people in a uh, suite is probably a better way to uh, uh, describe what that we did. That doesn't but... sound much better. Yeah, the okay. Night. I'm just gonna stop where I'm we at. We watched so. the show. I think I'm just gonna <laughs> stop. But uh, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at suit. Williams, uh, suit for those who do not know anything about you, if they've never listened to the WrestleMania uh, uh, Weekend podcast, if they've never listened to the other contributions you've done, never listened to you on Music of the Mad, anywhere else you've ever been, uh, well, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your wrestling fandom, when you started to become a fan, you know what you're a fan of today, and 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 you know just the quick and dirty of of who a suit Williams is. Well, 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 I started watching in 2008. Watched a little show called TNA Impact. Why are you still a fan? Um, I guess yeah, the, I guess I, we'll get into that soon of why you decided to man, still I, watch this. Well, you didn't have to. One of the first things I did for the website was I rewatched the first episode of Impact I ever watched. It was horrible. Like it was so bad. I watched like Kurt Angle was on four times. All his segments were terrible. He was like just yelling at women for no reason. <laughs> sounds yeah, like, sounds about right. Sounds like TNA. Yeah. I mean, that does track, but it's also just like, how did I stay into this? Yeah, that sounds like but, the type of show you'd watch one time, like flipping through channels and just be like, "Nah, not really for me," and then never watch wrestling again. That that would have probably been the better and smarter path for you. But but here you are, I guess. Well, yeah, I started there. Then uh, I started watching WWE like later that month. 
Uh, it was the uh, Jericho Shawn Michaels feud that hooked me in. So, so that's what did that it. Okay. Did. That okay. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Um, was that the? I think it was the Jeff Hardy stuff on SmackDown too. Also, uh, kept my attention as well, which you know is a little. Definitely Makes works for this sense. week. Connects. Yeah, works for this week. Yeah, yeah definitely a, f- a full circle thing there. So yeah, so so you became a fan about 2008. Uh, like you said, the first time uh, you wrote for our website, it was for the TNA week. We did like a celebration of TNA uh, for I forget what it was, some anniversary of them starting or whatever. And essentially, the best part, the best part about TNA week is everybody's articles was just like, "Hey, I really like TNA," and then this happened, or "Hey, TNA was great," and then this. <laughs> it was just an entire like that's not what the intention was. Like I didn't tell people to do that, but every article was like, like I wrote about Monty Brown, how I was like, "Oh, I was all in," and then Monty Brown they scucked him over, and then uh, I stopped watching, and then like everybody else was like, "I was into this guy," and then they fucked him over, so I stopped watching. I was into Bobby Roode, and then they fucked him over, and I stopped watching. I was into James Storm, and it's just like a never ending cycle of like I was into this, then Hulk Hogan came, I was into. This, this then they fucked him over i was into this so it's like it was a remarkable that was a great week and yeah i think you had the same thing you're like hey this was my entry point into wrestling and then like you know i don't know how <laughs> like i probably should have stopped but uh yeah uh, i i forget if there was a breaking point for you on, on on impact or maybe it was just the whole the whole thing since you started pretty much from the worst point possible <laughs> i mean honestly the, um what stopped me was i didn't get the pursuit channel which i'm sure stopped a good few people from <laughs> right that. right right so I ended up just hand waving it until, you know, they got on to uh, where are they at now? Uh, access, access. <laughs> yeah, access. Actually, it's so bad that I had to think about that for a second. Like I laughed thinking, <laughs> I don't know where they're at. And then I went, wait, I, I know it's access because, you know, they gutted their entire company to have impact on there. But hey. Um, you know, some decisions are, are are those. But anyway, as I said, you can follow him on Twitter at Suit Williams. Uh, we're obviously going to do a little bit of a different show than what we usually do with Joe and Rich. Uh, we are going to cover some of the same topics that we were, that Joe and I were going to cover. Uh, we'll do some Revolution quick thoughts. Uh, I obviously did a full review of Revolution over at uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling flagship patreon.com. The instant reaction live has all of that, but we don't know what suit thought of revolution. So we'll go over it real quick. We're not going to do ex- an excruciating, you know, match by match, blow by blow uh, review, but we want to talk a little bit about revolution. Some of the fallout of that, your viewing experience as well. Cause I think you had a pretty unique way uh, of watching revolution more so than, you know, me just sitting on my couch or Joe kind of sitting in his den or whatever. Uh, we'll touch on AW dynamite ratings as well. Uh, Stone cold is coming back to meet or confront or do something with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania or something. So we'll talk a little bit about that. You said you have a lot of thoughts uh, about this uh, quote-unquote Steve Austin return. Uh, we'll talk about a loaded weekend in Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate Champion Gate in Osaka. They had two shows uh, with a lot of really just notable stuff and a lot of really great matches uh, on, on those weekends as well. And we're also going to dust off this is something Joe and I did many, many, many moons ago, but we're going to bring it back here this week. I thought it was a great opportunity to do this. As people don't know your wrestling taste all that much, so this would be a great opportunity to do a Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. But instead, it is Suit and Rich recommending matches to each other. So, Suit, you chose Raven versus Goldberg, April 20th, 1998, WCW Nitro. You also chose Ric Flair versus Vader, Starcade 1993. 
I chose Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn from NXT TakeOver Chicago, and then I did the Michinoku Pro uh, six-man from ECW, Barely Legal 1997. So we will touch on those later in the show. We'll, add, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the matches, talk about why we picked those matches, and all the other stuff about that. But it's a, it's a fun segment to do. Uh, it's a great way to let people know, hey, here's some stuff that you love about wrestling. Here's some stuff that uh, is relevant, at least this week, and, and, and some stuff that all kind of fits in together. So we'll bring back Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other, just uh, suit playing the role. Of Joe, but uh, uh, so before we get into a revolution itself, I do have to let you know that I received a very interesting press release today. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's hear. Taste buds. It. Have you eaten dinner? Because you're going to get very hungry after I explain what's going to have here. Have you, have you had dinner yet today? Uh, unfortunately, I have. Well, okay. It was good. I mean, I don't mean to disrespect the chef. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the way I said that, it was like, uh, yeah, I had it. It was awful. <laughs> it was bad. It was been itself. Le- been leaning over the bowl for twenty minutes. Yeah. We so if late. you gotta, yeah, if you gotta, you know, if you, if you gotta, if you gotta pause, you can, you can definitely do it. But uh, so I received this press release. Uh, quote: Pro Wrestling Tees is excited to officially announce the newest way to support your favorite wrestling legends. Power Bomb Pizza is a brand new delivery only concept that brings wrestling themed pizza directly to your home. Using Uber Eats or Postmates, you can order food from our local pizzeria partners across the country. Each item is directly connected to a wrestling legend, and that specific wrestler or their families will profit from each item sold. All right, so <laughs> this is a, a very unique thing. This So this is taking the ghost kitchen concept, which is obviously a, it became a huge thing during COVID. Now, now, Suit, you're aware of ghost kitchens. Have you been have you been tricked into a ghost kitchen yet? Or or have you were you smart enough to realize, wait a minute? This is just Chili's telling me that they're going to send me wings or whatever. Did you fall into the ghost kitchen trap at all during during COVID? I may have once. Like, I got, like, I think I got, like, some Sonic or something. But there is a Sonic close by. So I'm not even sure if, I'm not sure if that was a ghost kitchen or they, I did do an Uber Eats. But I am aware of the concept of them. Yeah, Joe and I have talked about them a little bit on, on the show. But essentially what what's... The original idea of like a ghost kitchen was like, you know, somebody would go to like, you know, there might be a person that had recipes but didn't want to have everything on hand or whatever. So they would, you know, give the recipes to some local business or whatever, or they might work at that local business and share like a restaurant space with them and and make their stuff in conjunction with this. So, you know, you'd be at Chili's making your stuff, but essentially you'd be selling it out of your own name or whatever. And what happened was is is major companies got wise to this and said, wait a minute, like, let's just create fake ghost. We'll just create our own like ghost kitchens and and basically, you know, Chuck E. Cheese. We'll sell you pizzas under Pasquale's Pizza. Chili's will be like wings and things or something like that. Or I forget what it was uh, exactly. I know uh, one of my guys from work recently got something called Fire Burgers, and it was essentially just Buffalo Wild Wings burgers or whatever. So it's just a way to kind of for different companies to sort of trick you into buying their things. You think, whoa, I've never heard of this place. This looks kind of cool. You order it, and it's probably fine. Like most food is fine, but yeah, you're getting tricked into thinking that you're ordering from some you know local burger place, and it's just literally Applebee's selling you a burger. Giving it to Uber Eats, Uber Eats delivering it to you, you opening it, going, "Wow, whoa, this fire burger is really great!" And it's just a, a you know an Applebee's burger, uh, and that's essentially what a, uh, this Powerbomb Pizza appears to be doing. So you are going to order a pizza from Powerbomb Pizza, Uber Eats, and Postmates is going to deliver it, uh, and you're going to pay like thirty dollars for just a normal ass pizza. But these are not normal ass pizzas, suits. No, they are not because these pizzas have wrestling themes. So we'll start off. With, you get two appetizers here. At Powerbomb Pizza, you have Eddie Guerrero's Latino Heat Wings. Ah, 
Took them all night to come up with that one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, they aren't exactly sweating over these names. <laughs> yeah, so don't tell. As I scroll down. Yeah, no, these uh, were not taken. Uh, there, there were not a whole lot of time uh, spent on these. Uh, this one is a little interesting because I think this one, I don't, I'm not sure about this one. Gang Grills Fangtastic Garlic Breadsticks. Now, okay, kind of cool. You got Gang Grills selling you some breadsticks or whatever. Gang Grill's a va- why, why is Gang Grill a vampire yeah. selling you garlic? Like, that is quite ironic, right? Like, he's not going to sell you garlic. Yeah, that goes, like, if you're going to do these, you got to go for the gimmick, right? Like, I, yeah. like, the dipping sauce has to be, like, it's got to be, like, marinara sauce, but call it, like, blood or something. Yeah, like, and, and, the, and the picture does show some marinara sauce here, so I guess they're, they're trying for that, but, uh, yeah, it is. But they also let you get garlic and olive oil, jalapeno and ranch. Like, no, 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 no. Only marinara sauce. Like you can't can't get ranch for your your, your yeah. fantastic uh, garlic breadsticks. You gotta imagine these people. These gimmicks are gonna like eat them, right? And like what? Like garlic <laughs> would kill him, right? Because he's a vampire. Uh yeah. So not does garlic not... kill him, or does it just? Like, uh, I I don't know my vampire away. lore that much. I'll have to ask Al- Alistair Black and and see if he can uh, <laughs> enlighten me yeah. on vampire lore. But uh, so then we have some pizzas as well. And again, you are paying a pretty penny for these pizzas. So you're for people that don't know, you're gonna order this. Some local pizzeria that's nearby is gonna make it, give it to Uber Eats, and send it on uh, over to you. Uh, so you have. The Four Cheeses of Foley. Okay, that's a decent name. That one's not bad. I like when all the ones came out, I was like, that's kind of cool. You know, you got mozzarella, Parmesan, Provolone, Romano. Okay, that's fine. Four Cheeses of Foley. That one's kind of good. Um, I mean, I just like pepperoni pizza, so I'm into the Godfather's pimping pepperoni pizza because, like, I mean, pepperoni pizza, man. You know what I mean? It's hard to screw that up. So, yeah. I mean, these don't look very appetizing from the pictures they show. Right, and the thing to note that you're not, it, it's going to be, like, I don't think the pictures are really, like, I think it even says, like, these are not what you're going to get, because it's, like, you know, depending on where who's making this pizza that you're going to randomly order. Yeah, it says at the top, yeah. every pizzeria has a different style. <laughs> right. So, so you're not, so even the pictures, which don't <laughs> even look that appetizing, like, they're saying... It, it's probably going to be worse. Than yeah, this. yeah. This might look okay. Trust us. It's going to be worse when you order it from, you know, Wichita or whatever. So it's like, yeah, it's just very bizarre. I uh, got Vader's Mastodon Meat Lovers Pizza, sausage, pepperoni, bacon, and mozzarella cheese. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still down. At the end of the day, it's still pizza with stuff on it, so that's good. But yeah, I have paying thirty five dollars to the right to have Vader's Mastodon Meat Pizza instead of just calling that same place and, and ordering a, a, a meat pizza. Uh, so those ones are kind of whatever. We start getting a little, they start getting a little juicy here. They've had their, you know, they made pepperoni, they made pepperoni and sausage, they made just cheese. Now things are going to get a little spicy here with Rob Van Dam's That's a Lot of Veggies Pizza. What would you think of their approach on Rob Van Dam's pizza here? I don't get the joke. Like, is that supposed to be a pun? Like, or does Rob Van Dam just eat veggie pizza? <laughs> I don't like, know. I don't, yeah. Like, I, that's there, not a pun. That sounds like. An Italian guy, like, that's a lot of veggies. Like, <laughs> You're not, not wrong, something yeah. an Italian guy would say. Yeah, I'm not. So I, I think their intention <laughs> was supposed to be, hey, this guy gets high um, type of thing. But I, I think they could have done a little bit better with this one. I think, yeah, sure, you want a veggie pizza on there. But I think this would have been way better with all leafy greens. The mushroom, it, it does have mushroom. I think that's a good touch. Uh, for an RVD, but yeah, I would have done, you know, get a little crazy here, get a little, you know, inventive. This lets you know that this thing is just not that, because otherwise it'd be like CBD infused crust. If we're really doing yeah. it, really do it. You know what I mean? Like this is just, yeah, this one's a little, um, 
the mushrooms are good, but yeah, I would have, I would have done more leafy greens, maybe a basil, maybe a, a spinach, you know, just keep, keep things pretty, uh, um, leafy green style for Rob Van Dam is, is how I would do it. Uh, I got the yeah, Legion of cool. Doom Chicago street fight pizza, which is just Italian beef and jardinera on it. So I was going to say the, uh, veggie pizza. Cause it sounds like an Italian name. That's a lot of veggies. This, that money should go to Tracy Smothers. Or like yeah. JT Smith. Or yeah, something. right, right. Yeah, JT Smith. The JT Smiths. That's a lot of veggies. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly. right. Exactly. There we go. Big Sally Graziano uh, needs a, needs a cut of this, not just RVD. So, uh, yeah, the, the Chicago Street Fight Pizza. What are you thinking of the LODs uh, take here? Does not look very good. I don't know what that orange stuff is. Is that just that's Chardonnay? I'm, I'm, I assure Chardonnay. you that is a good pizza. I promise you. As a Chicagoan who has had this on pizzas before, I pr- it might look weird, it might look strange, but I promise you it's a good pizza. It, it is something that I order very often. I'm not going to order it from Powerpump Pizza. I'm not going to order the Legion of Doom Chicago Street Fight Pizza, but it is a good pizza. Next time you're in Chicago, I will I will make sure that you have one of those and and, and you'll know. Um, low effort here from from Kevin Nash, which is pretty, which I think I like though. You know, I appreciate that Kevin Nash. They they maybe called him and said, "Hey, what did you want on your pizza?" And he gave them the most low effort possible here. Sausage. So Kevin Nash's big, sexy sausage pizza. So he wanted a dick pun, obviously, but he didn't want to spend too much time telling him more things to put on the pizza. So it's just sausage and it's a dick pun. So there you go. 100%. Get your money and get out. <laughs> Kevin Nash way. Yeah. I'm surprised Doc Gallows isn't on this too. Oh, he once he sees the money coming way. in, he might be in here. I mean, this is going to, I mean, I don't know who would spend $30 for a pizza that has Roddy Piper's name on it. But I know wrestling fans will pay $30 for a pizza that has Roddy Piper's name on it, including a guy from my work who sent me this earlier today and said, whoa, we're going to get this next week, right? And I was like, no, I don't really know. <laughs> but uh, You got $30? Yeah, if you got $30, man, you can buy it. I'll, I'll eat it. I'll eat the pizza. Don't worry. I will I'll, I will obviously eat a pizza, but uh, I'm not going to be the one ordering it. Uh, real quickly here, Piper's barbecue pit pizza, barbecue sauce. Barbecue, grilled chicken, bacon, onion, mozzarella, cheese. And then uh, finally, Brett's Heart, uh, Bret Hart's best there ever was supreme pizza, pepperoni, sausage, mushroom, onion, green pepper, black olives. And uh, I like that, how they have to specify mozzarella cheese on all of these as if like <laughs> you would be getting something different. I think that's redundant there. They don't need to tell you it's mozzarella cheese. But anyway. Now, now that name's not even trying. Best there Bret ever Hart's was supreme pizza. Like, yeah, not even. not a Low effort again. Just, all right, Brett agreed to do this just slap something on there <laughs> this is like five minutes Come yeah on, right 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 get this up <laughs> good joke from uh, from jacob in the no dopes chat room who says uh, uh doc gallows pizza is just half of a pizza because of the divorce so <laughs> <laughs> i kind of like that that's pretty good it's got like no sauce on it it's because you know it's just like <laughs> just a flatbread half of a flatbread that's a that's a pretty good one there uh, uh also for uh, dessert uh for dessert if 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 the uh kevin nash's big sexy sausage pizza wasn't enough for you uh you can also order a dessert brutus the barber cheesecake uh you know there I'm, you go i'm that's gonna give him that one. one that one's not that's, bad there you go that one's not bad you get this pathetically small slice of cheesecake too so yeah, that's just like so sad. That's just being cheap with it. Like that's just <laughs> these tiniest slice. It's very sad. It's a slice for a child. Yeah, it's it's quite sad. But uh, all right, so now, uh, I guess this was. Uh, <laughs> you said this was um, pro wrestling tea, yes, right? That's yes, doing yes, this? yes. Yeah. Does the pizza take like two weeks to get there? <laughs> and it steals your credit card info too. <laughs> 
you get charged for dominoes with yeah. a cold on. <laughs> Guys, is this Power by Pizza or did, uh, did you guys lose my credit card info? Uh, we will let you know in six to eight weeks via letter if that uh, is the case or not. So Yeah, keep your eye on the mailbox. We'll, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we'll have something for you there. Yeah. Don't call us. We'll uh, we'll send a letter to you. So uh, right now, Huntington Beach, California, Las Vegas, Nevada are your two places to get this uh, so far. Um, how is it not in Chicago? I thought it was in Chicago. It's promising tease for God's sakes. All right. Anyway, so there you go. If you're in Huntington Beach or Las Vegas, you can do it. If you're in Brooklyn, coming very soon uh, to Brooklyn, I'm sure the uh, fine folks of Brooklyn, New York are going to be falling over themselves to order. Yes, pizza from power because where else are they going to get pizza in New York other than exactly. Powerbomb Pizza? So um, where else can they get a thirty dollar uh, pizza <laughs> where they can kick money back to the Godfather? <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, so that is Powerbomb Pizza. Um, I hope that they put one near uh, Joe so we can have Joe review uh, Powerbomb Pizza one of these days on Joe Eats, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. All right. That is uh, that is that. But let's get into some of AEW here. Uh, I'm going to start with AEW Dynamite, and we have ratings and quarter hour stuff. So I did the uh, Thursday tier reviews in uh, Joe Lance's absence over at FlagshipPatreon.com. So you can go listen to my review uh, of, of that if you need. But uh, last, I, I did, so I did not cover ratings on that show because I did it immediately after Dynamite yesterday. Uh, so we we're going to do the ratings a little bit here. I'm not going to get too too deep into it. Uh, unless you really want to, Sue, but I'm just going to kind of go over them. We can kind of react a little bit. I don't need to, we don't need to be breaking down minute by minute and all that sort of stuff, unless you want to, unless you want to. But uh, uh, AEW Dynamite uh, was watched by 945,000 viewers uh, last night. That uh, compared to last week, that is down 2% uh, in total viewership. But among viewers 18 to 49, viewership was up 12%. Dynamite ranked number one among people 18 to 49. Uh, among cable originals for the day, so that's a pretty that's a pretty nice number there to be number one among all other uh, um, you know television shows in, in in the demo. Would you would you make of that? Would you make of the overall number? Or would you make of that demo number when you heard it? Um, the overall, like I don't pay much attention to it. Like it, like it's within like about a hundred thousand usually. Like usually it's within like a hundred thousand of the week before like it it's very stable that overall number the um 18 to 49 i thought it was really impressive the uh just the pay-per-view bump that they got and how they were able to uh rise from the week before i'm pulling up the quarter hours now i'm sorry if i'm stumbling over oh you're good words, you're good yeah they're, they're, the quarter hours are very interesting because we got that from uh from brandon thurston uh, obviously at russellnomics who put that uh the first uh, segment did hu- as it usually does. Uh, thank very much. Thank you to the Big Bang Theory, which always uh, seems to bring in a lot of viewers right off the bat. But uh, yeah, in in eighteen to forty nine, that uh, that that opening uh, segment was absolutely huge, absolutely huge. And uh, you know, in overall viewers, it was just absolutely nuts too. It was one million people were watching uh, the the Jericho Eddie Kingston thing. Uh, and then when that ended, it, it dropped all the way from Dante Martin and Page dropped all the way to 927,000, but then stayed pretty much steady the rest of the show, so I guess we can probably take that uh, that that first segment maybe as a little bit of an aberration or something or maybe some sort of weird, uh, you know, obviously the lead in a Big Bang always helps that, but uh, yeah, I don't look at that because, like, some people might go, oh my god, Ed, nobody cares about Adam Page, Adam Page is in the mud, uh, but it's like, I don't, I don't know, that that, that is such a drastic st- drop that I, I cannot buy that, like, all of a sudden, you know, 
a million, you know, 20,000, 200,000, you know, a bunch of people were like, ah, screw this, I'm leaving, I'm not watching this anymore. Like, I just can't buy that. So that's got to be a little bit of related to, to, to Big Bang Theory, the lead-in. Or, I don't know, maybe people were really, really excited to see, then they saw Chris Jericho and weren't excited. Or or, or maybe they did see Adam Page and weren't excited. I don't know, it's ratings. But, uh, yeah, the rest of the quarter hours were pretty consistent, the rest of the uh, uh, the rest of the show, 915,000 for uh, the Danielson, uh, Moxley versus uh, Work Horseman. Then he had 886 for the Dork Order promo, so uh, justifying that they should never be on TV ever again, the Dork Order. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 924,000 for the uh, Matt Hardy, uh, Jeff Hardy debut. Uh, 300, or, uh, 939,000 for the Luchasaurus acclaimed. 944,000, this is total viewership, by the way, uh, for the Layla Hurst Thunder Rosa. And then the main event had 913,000 uh, in total viewers. And the 18 to 49 pretty much follows that exact same trend uh, as well with kind of the same highs and the same lows uh, throughout the night. But, uh, yeah, any, anything you made out of the quarter hours? Yeah, nothing you hadn't said already because if you look at the uh, Brandon Thurston chart, you've got, like, he's got this week's chart, but then, like, behind it he'll have, like, a little dot line for, like, how the last four weeks have gone compositely. And normally, like, AEW, like, they have the big lead in, and then they, like, kind of tail off as the show goes on. This week, it started, like, huge with the Jericho promo and then just dropped to its normal level and then just stayed essentially straight as a line through the rest of the show. So, I mean, are people into this new Jericho act? Is is this demo god thing real? Or Yeah, like, it's... I don't know. It'll be something definitely to check out, um... I mean, it probably doesn't hurt to have Jericho be your first segment off the bat, and that's that's something that's always remained. Is through all the hand wringing about Chris Jericho and oh, he's I hate Chris Jericho, all that sort of stuff. Like he always draws his quarters, always do well. Uh, this one does particularly, you know, obviously, and I, I think a lot of that probably is related to the Big Bang Theory. But I think a lot of it too was, hey, it's after the pay per view. That was a pretty cool pay per view. Let's see how they start off. And and yeah, Jericho and Kingston. I mean, hell, if you turn that on and you were even like, you know sort of a wrestling fan, or or hell, even if you weren't a wrestling fan, I mean, those two dudes out there cutting promos. Uh, that's something I would stick around for for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, so, th- so that that stayed pretty steady. And then, like I said, the rest of the show kind of fell off uh, a little bit. At least in the demo, you had ninety thousand people fall off uh, after the Jericho promo, and then it stayed pretty much right around uh, the five hundred thousand mark for the rest. A little bit, a little ebbs and flows here uh, and there. But yeah, being number one uh, on cable. In eighteen to forty nine is is pretty awesome for that night. I mean, they were up against they were up against the NBA. They were up against some other you know new shows coming out. It, it wasn't like an easy easy week or or a week where nothing else was going on. And obviously, the news uh, still playing a, a pretty important role here uh, in the ratings. But uh, yeah, it's got to be a success for AW. I'm sure they're they're pretty happy with that number uh, coming out of a pay per view. Uh, you know, even though down a little bit in total viewers, but people that listen to the show, astute viewers, you anybody that knows what they're doing knows that uh, it doesn't really matter all that much. Yeah, they were going up I, against, I believe it was season premieres of Survivor and uh, Mass Singer as well, stuff that's, you know, done damage to them before. So mm-hmm. to be able to do, to be able to retain the viewership they retained, I mean, that is pretty impressive. For sure. De- definitely. Yeah. yeah. So that's, and, uh, anything else on the uh, the ratings? Uh, I just wanted to touch on something that I saw on Twitter. Um, uh, James uh, I don't know how do you say this last name. James Gearns, Gearns. Um, he had collected some uh data on AEW viewership through March 10th, from this time last year and this uh this time this year, 
Um, so I got the tweet pulled up now at Jamie Gerns, G-E-A-R-N-S on Twitter. Um, AEW 2021 viewership through March 10th, their average viewership was 785,000 and their 18 to 49 was 0.31. That was their average through this time last year. Okay. Now up through 2022 up to this point, their average viewership 998,000 and their 18 to 49 is 0.39. So not bad. <laughs> you know, Joe talks about it all the time. Like the week to week stuff isn't as important as the month to month or the year over right, year. Right, right. Kind of projections. And when you see something like that, like just linear growth through the same point in the year, like that's promising. That's like really good to know that what you're doing is working and you can point to it and say, hey, what we're doing is working. For sure. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely notable uh, there. And obviously, you know, having the crowds, having full arenas, having that sort of stuff certainly helps. We saw that with sports. Like, you, you know, everybody kind of thought, oh, during the pandemic, everyone's just going to want to watch sports because it's like an escape. But then you watch these like halcyon, like weird, uh, you know, warehouse basketball games where they're just playing fake noise. And you're like, this is bad. Like, I don't really want to watch this. This is not taking me away at all from uh uh, from you know, this is not an escape. This is just a smack in the face of reality. And you had that a little bit with wrestling as well. I think AEW, we always said, did the best job of, of kind of you know making that. But still, like they were able to grow during that. They were able to grow, you know, just fine during the pandemic. I mean, they they did not suffer like so many other things did suffer. And yeah, then now go and look and 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 yeah, obviously they've they've invested a lot more in their talent. They brought in some bigger stars. But like, yeah, this is a hell of a. I mean, yeah, you, you look at those overall numbers. You can't, there's there's no way you can't be happy about seeing those numbers. There's no way you can't see those trends and say, okay, we're moving in the right direction. The move to TBS was good. The move to sign Punk was good. The move to sign Danielson was good. I mean, it's just it's just growth. I mean, at the end of the day, when when you're negotiating that next TV deal, you can get a chart and you can show that you know it's moving up. And that's that that's. That's what they're going to need more than anything is to show a chart and say, hey, look, we were here. Now we're here. You know, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep going up. We're going to keep going up, keep going up. So, yeah, it, it, that's that's great to pull that up. That's it because yeah, people freak out so much week to week. Oh, my God. Oh, they, they, they we're down, you know, 100,000 in total viewers. It's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just irrelevant, completely irrelevant uh, in the grand scheme of things. But, uh, yeah, stuff like that, uh, globalized trends like that are, are, are very relevant. So, yeah. And Jacob in the chat in the uh, no dope chat room. Uh, he also brought up that we're a few weeks away from um, no longer having the NXT competition, like like having a year since it's been since uh, wow, NXT yeah, away. shoot, so, and it, we are getting there, aren't we? Wow, it's, it's it feels like just yesterday, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it feels like just yesterday Triple H was alive and NXT was a thing. <laughs> And one of those things might be true. Yeah, NXT <laughs> is still kind of a thing, and uh, I don't know about the other one quite yet. I assume he's okay, but uh, I don't know because I haven't seen him, and nobody's seen him, and he's kind of weirdly tweeting, but not really him. It's clearly just somebody else tweeting for him. I don't know what's going on with Triple H. It's very strange. It's very weird. Uh, it has definitely led, like, all they have to do is just, like, have him appear somewhere or do something, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's all you have to do is just, like, show his face, show a picture of him somewhere, show something, because, like, Initially, like we all kind of laughed about it, but it's starting to get to the point where if you're like, hey, this guy is like dead or like very, very seriously, like in horrible shape, like I can't tell you you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, because we haven't 
seen him. We don't know. He went from being the second most powerful guy in that company to being an absolute, like, maybe quite literally a ghost. Like, it's very strange. And, like, I again, it, like, I can't tell you that you're like, ah, you're being way off base because I don't know. Maybe not. Like, I don't know. He's maybe, I don't know. Is he alive? Like, is he good? I don't well, know. Luckily, luckily, we have a great interviewer like Pat McAfee who made sure to ask, <laughs> to ask his father-in-law, hey. <laughs> made sure to ask about that. Yeah, God. Give everybody an update on that situation. Uh, hey, uh, this is the guy who was second in the command has not been seen since. Uh, is everything okay? Uh, no? Okay. Uh, humanizing. Anyway, uh, let's get to AEW Revolution here. Uh, as I said, I did a full review of this. Joe and I did a full review of this on the Instant Reaction Live uh, over at flagshippatreon.com. But, uh, Suits, we don't know your thoughts on Revolution, so I wanted to at least touch on uh, some of the matches, some of the card. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you watched this show from a movie theater. Is that correct? That is correct. I went to a Cinemark theater. Um, it was about half half the uh, pay per view price. So, like, how like do you know how much the pay per view was? Like off the top, like I $50? think for me it was I want to say forty nine. It might, either thirty nine or forty nine. One of the two. I think forty nine actually. So, so the ticket to see it at a movie theater is like twenty five or twenty five, and then with like the fees, it's like thirty. So you save a little bit going to the theater. Um, I brought my sister along, so that didn't really factor in because I paid for two tickets. So half price times two and the full price. Uh, but yeah, I went to go see it at a Cinemark theater. And let me ask you, Rich, how was it watching it at home on your couch? Uh, pretty enjoyable, I could say. I mean, the bathroom was right there. Uh, everything was pretty close. The, the food was good. Uh, the drinks were uh, free. Uh, and flowing pretty well, but uh, no, it was a pretty fun uh, experience. It's just me on my couch petting my dogs, you know. So I guess I guess I enjoyed it. So yeah, it was pretty much the same thing. You're just sitting in a movie theater. Yeah. So like, I have you ever done any like live event movie theater stuff? I haven't. No, yes. I haven't done any like uh, closed circuit stuff. Yeah, because like many many years ago, and I forget what year this was. It would have been one of the Tebow uh, Florida National Championship years, but I forget who they were facing or what was going on or whatever. But I went to a movie theater to watch it because they were doing it in like 3D, so you like could show up and um, put on 3D glasses and watch the national okay. championship. This would have had to have been like 08 or something. Yeah. It's back when like we were doing the third iteration of like, Hey, 3D is coming. Get ready. It's like buy Avatar. a 3D TV avatar. Yeah. It was like, we've done this so many times, the 3D thing and they keep coming back and they keep coming back. And it's always like, do I have to wear glasses? And they're like, yes. It's like, well, I don't want to wear glasses. Well, they're like, well, then we're screwed. So that's the end of uh, uh 3D. But uh, yeah, it was, so yeah, it was probably 08, 07, 08, somewhere in that range. Like you said, and, and, uh, I remember it being a pretty interesting way to do it. I know some people, you know, if you grew up in the closed circuit era, like you were very used to that, going to see a big live event, going to see a big boxing uh, show, going to see a WrestleMania or whatever, you would go to your local movie theater uh, and watch it there. But, you know, I grew up in a generation where pay-per-view was pretty readily available. You, even more so, like, literally a click. You know, I had to at least call it in if I wanted a pay-per-view, which very rarely happened because my parents were like, fuck, no, we're not paying $30 for you to watch in your house or whatever the hell. Like, we're not doing that. Or, no, we're, you're not going to pay $30 so you can watch, you know, Over the Edge or whatever the hell. So, uh, 1998 not- Over the Edge, not 99, people. Dude love and <laughs> Steve Austin, get- yeah. You're not getting in your house three. I don't care how many titles are on the line. <laughs> right, they're all on the line. <laughs> Every single one. Yeah, that's... 
Uh, but uh, yeah, so like I yeah I I grew up in that era. You grew up in like the literally two clicks to get a pay per view era, or literally maybe one click. Honestly, just click on the yes, I want to buy it. Yes, I want you know type of thing. But uh, yeah, so for a whole generation, like going to the movie theater to watch a live event was something they did. But I had never done it. So when the opportunity came to do it, I, I checked it out and it was fine. Like it was okay. Like it's not something I always want to do. But if you're with a a, a crew, a, a friend, if you're trying to you know get a little bit of a different experience. So like, I don't know, was this something that you think you would ever do again? Did you enjoy it enough or like the next time they're, they're going to do one, you're going to go or, or is this a one and done for you? Well, I like going to the theater. I like going to the movie theater in general. I just like the experience. Um, would I do it again? Uh, it depends. Cause the theater I was in, there weren't that many people. There was like 15 or so. So tell me they were chanting. Tell me they were chanting suit. They weren't. Oh. It, it, it was just a bunch of people watching the show. They did pop. I will say the loudest pop of the night was William Regal showing up. Okay. Like that popped everybody. Cause it was awesome. But yeah, other than that, it was just, you know, we had the nice couches. We had the, uh, it was the theaters with the nice seats, the leather seats that reclined. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, other than that, I will say one thing though. Um, I think it was after the dog collar match. I went out to get some food and the theater was closed. They had like a little <laughs> dashboard up and nobody was at the uh concessions. So they were just done at ten o'clock. So they just locked you dorks like, in. They just locked you dorks in to finish your stupid show and then like Yeah. They were just like, gonna herd you out when you guys were done, so I was going to get some food, and I'm like, oh, crap. I haven't eaten since before I got here. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I could see that being a downside, too, because I forget who it was, but I saw somebody on uh, Twitter, and I forget uh, who, who it was that was saying this. Maybe it was quite a few people, that they were watching in a movie theater, and then at, like, 10, when the movie theater closed, they just shut the show off, and they're like, all right, go home, everybody. And they're like, no, there's still an hour left. Like, they don't understand, like, that the show is going for four hours. They don't understand the timing. Like, they just kind of probably thought, all right, yeah, we'll put it on. And and then they, I guess, just assumed if it started at, you know, 7, that it would be over by 10 or it would be over by 9 or whatever. So, yeah, this person said that. Essentially, they, like, turn all the lights on, turn off the pavement, and said, all right, get the hell out of here. We're closing up. And and I guess uh, your theater was nice enough to just, you know, close the, the concession stand but at least let you guys uh, finish watching the show. So, yeah, I could, I could see some downsides there if, like, A, you can't get food. That kind of is one of the good things about being at the movie theater and watching a show is that, hey, you can go get a popcorn, you can go get soda, you can go get some food or whatever, or they literally just turn the lights on and kick you all out before the show's over, and that's not uh, not ideal either. I had a friend who went to an AMC theater and had that happen. Were they just, so, so did they just like walk was, in and turn the lights on and say, get out of here, go? I think the show just cut off. Like, <laughs> I don't know if it was like a, uh, I don't know if it was like a, all right, everybody out, but the show just, they just cut it off. Yeah. I think that was in the middle of the main event too, which oh. is like especially like rough. That's tricky. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of think I want to try it at least once to see. I'm not I'm not a big movie theater guy, uh, but I think it'd be kind of cool. Uh, check it out on the big screen. I mean, the audio is is obviously great, and you're watching it in a movie theater, watching it on a giant screen. So that makes it pretty fun. Was the, the video quality was was solid enough? Like it didn't it didn't have like lower quality or anything? Oh yeah, great 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 quality. You can hear everything. No like hiccups or anything it was all good 
I, I would always worry about being in close proximity with other wrestling fans because that's uh, something I do try to avoid at all costs. But uh, well, I'm glad to hear you didn't have anybody chanting, this is awesome, you know, in the, in the recliners next to you. But uh, I don't know, would that have helped or hurt? Do you think, did you actually kind of want that when you, when you thought you were getting the movie theater experience or no? I actually did want that. I wanted that feeling of being live, you know, because when Punk came out to uh, the AFI song, well, one, there was a bunch of people complaining, what's this song? I don't know what this is. My brain is melting. Oh. <laughs> right. You, you included, because, you know, obviously just started watching wrestling in 2008 and you're incapable of learning history. So, yeah, you as well, your brain turned to mush. Um, well, yes, but before I did that, I was banging on the seat, the leather seat next to me. I was banging out the, uh, the beat. The Hell yeah. I know. I, I, yeah, that's the best. We're, we're, so were you still in perfect? If people have never been to a show with Suit, uh, Joe has talked about it before. But Suit is one of the best people to go to a wrestling show with because you are you are the you are excited. You're shadow boxing. You're 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 banging seats when you when you to the music. Like you are just a. Were, did you try to reserve yourself a little bit at the movie theater when you were in public, or, or were you maybe hoping to do it a little bit more, but nobody else did it? So you just decided, well, I guess I'm just going to sit here and watch the show. I was tr- I was trying to be a little bit more. Uh held in but then you know eddie kingston dumped chris jericho on his head and it, <laughs> that just went out the window so you're reserved for 13 seconds of the show is i guess <laughs> yeah yeah and then after that well hey it's on now yeah absolutely that's awesome <laughs> that's great yeah but so yeah. i guess that that's that would be the one thing that would maybe i don't know like part of me thinks it'd be really annoying to have a bunch of people sitting there chanting and screaming and yelling or whatever but then you realize like yeah maybe that's better than just like sitting by yourself or sitting with like one person and everybody's just quiet. Like that might be even more strange than like, you know, cause you're in an atmosphere with other people. So maybe, yeah, you'd want, you know, some people to chant yeah. or, or holler or high five or do some of that sort of stuff. I may as well be sitting at home if I wanted that. Right, right, like at right. least I'd be at my house. But yeah, I, I was kind of hoping for a bit more of the live atmosphere. And when Regal came out, that was when it felt most like, all oh, right, there's people here. We're yeah, like yeah, yeah. all into this, you know? Yeah, maybe everybody was just kind of like in the same position. Like everybody was too nervous to be the first guy that was like cheering for something. But then obviously they got a visceral reaction when Regal came out. But uh, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what they're what they're going for. But uh, so that's that's cool. So uh, again, we said, you know, I, I think they're AEW seems to be pretty gung-ho on these. So they must be making money. They must be doing pretty well because every single pay-per-view they do, you know, put a press release out about, uh, these movie theaters doing it. So, yeah, obviously people are going. <laughs> it's obviously making some amount of money. And I guess this was just going to be an empty movie theater or an empty movie, you know, uh, uh, a screen that, you know, got 15 to 20 people uh, there to watch it. So not bad. But um, overall thoughts on uh, AEW Revolution. Uh, we, we can quickly go match by match if you want. You can kind of give your quick uh, pithy thoughts about each. But, uh, I mean, I thought it was a tremendous show. Joe thought it was a tremendous show. Top to bottom. Uh, what do you think overall of uh, of Revolution? Um, I went into the show and I had uh, eight notebook matches for AEW throughout 2022. Uh, Leaving this show, I had 16. I had eight (laughs) notebook matches on this show, including the pre-show. Like this, just top to bottom, an excellent show. And like, I I'm like, with I don't you. know. Like, yeah, it's, it, it's... it leaves you just like speechless. Like, how good is this company? Where they're giving you Kingston Jericho, they're giving you that tag title match, they're giving you Punk MJF, 
They're giving you Moxley Danielson. Oh, yeah, Kenny Omega's here, too. <laughs> right, yeah, Kenny Omega hasn't months. wrestled, but he's also here, too. Yeah, it, it is... It's an embarrassment of riches for sure that they have right now. And yeah, the the, the days of them having like so-so pay-per-views, like that was kind of the talking point for, for a little while was, you know, okay, the Dynamites are pretty good, the Dynamites are solid, but the pay-per-views are, are still a little disappointing. They don't really land on, on the high end. Like we are well past that point now. I mean, when you talk about All Out, which, you know, Joe and I came out of that show immediately afterwards and said that was one of the greatest pay-per-views ever, like in any company ever. And I think you would probably agree as well. I think you, you know, there's, there's the, I, I don't know if we told this story uh, on the air, but if people do not know, uh, after the show, uh, so we were in a suite of, of a bunch of other people from Voices of Wrestling or whatever. Uh, me and my buddy, we drove home. A few other people drove home or whatever. You left the suite and you were ready to get picked up by uh, an Uber or a Lyft, whoever was going to pick you up and, 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 and take you uh, back to your hotel. Uh, but that didn't happen. <laughs> you were just outside the arena until what, like 1 a.m. or something like that? It was a, How long were you outside of the arena for? All right, let me tell the story. So before the show... I go to get an Uber and there's another guy who's going to the show in the same hotel and we just decide to share the Uber. There you go. And on the way, we decide, hey, you know, we got an Uber here. Why don't we meet up and then we'll just get an Uber back. We'll share the price and it'll be all good. So that was the plan. What happened was... And people should note as well, the, you getting to All Out at, at, at any rate was a miracle in the first place because that was during awful storms in new orleans and we oh, yeah. were pretty much convinced you were not going to show up at all and i remember all of a sudden people are like hey is suit gonna be here and i'm like i don't i'm not sure if he's gonna be here. and then all of a sudden boom there's suit and we're like yes he got here it's awesome because like it did not look like you were gonna get a plane out of new orleans or anywhere out of new orleans uh given that weekend that was a very very bad weekend yeah so uh we did have the hurricane that knocked the saints out of the superdome for what was it a month um we and uh, me and my family ended up going to Alabama because that's where my little sister goes to school right now. Um, we're there for like I think it's like a week or two. We come back to Baton Rouge, all our stuff's fine. We had a little wind damage, but luckily that was it. Um, so basically, we get back to Baton Rouge, and I decide, you know what. If I cancel my well, the flights to New Orleans was canceled. The air the airport was closed, so I could assume that my flight was. Canceled. <laughs> I would assume if the airport is not operating, that no, you are uh, not flying out of that airport. But Baton Rouge is flying out because there's an airport in Baton Rouge. It flies to a couple of places in uh in the country. So if I eat the price, I can fly from Baton Rouge and get a connector to Charlotte get to Chicago. <laughs> so that's what I did. So throughout all of that, no power, like lights not working, water not working. But I do end up getting to the airport, get to Chicago. That was like, the fact that that happened was just like a miracle onto itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But so... Day of the show comes, take the Uber with the guy from the hotel. I We get there, we see the show, great show. I leave, go to meet this guy. We uh, meet at our spot. We go to find an Uber. No Ubers. 
No lifts. Yeah, not not a lot of activity in Hoffman Estates on a uh, Sunday yeah. night at <laughs> ten thirty p.m. So ten thirty, it was like eleven. Oh, that's true. It was pretty late. Yeah, yeah. Especially nothing happening past ten in in uh, in lovely Hoffman Estates, Illinois. So we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. And eventually, we're just like, all right, we. There's got to be somewhere else we can wait instead of outside this arena or outside the Bass Pro Shops <laughs> at that, like, the end of the street yeah. coming up to the arena. So we decide, we walk, there's a hotel at the end, like, like a half mile away. I don't know if it was a half mile, but it was a walk. Yeah, no, it's, it's, so, a, it's a hike. I'd say you're probably right about a half mile. It's not that close. It's pretty far. So, yeah, we get there, and so we just sit in the lobby. There's a bunch of other people there also waiting for uh, waiting for something. Like, I don't know if they're waiting for Ubers or what. But we sit there, and then we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting. And eventually it's like, I think it's like 1.30 or something to where oh I God. just, like, <laughs> I suck it up. I go into the office slack, and I say hey is anybody still up and you guys you up yeah you up message to a bunch of wrestling fans yeah so i get i think it was tyler tyler forness uh jerry and a jack i think was with them as well yeah yeah yeah. so it was a whole crew of people that picked you up and and what i'll never forget about when they did pick you up is everybody said hold on hold on oh you got more story all right go ahead go ahead so they uh, they message me and they say, okay, we'll uh, we can pick you up. We're just at IHOP right now. And when they said that, I was like, my eyes bugged out because I knew exactly what IHOP they were at because that was the IHOP next to my hotel. <laughs> so they had to so they had to leave the IHOP, come back, and then go straight back because <laughs> my hotel is literally next door. So, go on with your part. Well, so I, I, I was to add that in. There. Yeah, no. So we, I, I had to add some color to the story too. But uh, yeah, so the the thing that I mentioned about all out is you know Joe and I, I we you know we're doing a show immediately afterwards and, and we're just buzzing and I'm just like that was the greatest thing I've ever went to. That's the greatest thing I ever went to. I'll never forget that when everybody picked you up, they were all everyone else is tired and everyone else is like exhausted. It's two a.m. They're just got back from an IHOP. They're ready to all go to bed, but they had to pick you up because you were stranded and off in the states or whatever. And Me they and said, this "Random dude, they don't know. It's just a dude in the." That oh, that, yeah, I forgot that there was just a guy. <laughs> that suit's yeah. got a guy with him. Yeah, just some random dude that's just hanging out as well. Uh, but the best part about that is that they said you got in the car and you were still hyped up. You're still like, "Oh, how awesome was that show, guys? How great was that show, guys?" And that is the thing I'll always remember is that even at 2 a.m., the excitement from all out, you were still buzzing off of that. So. So uh, just a, a great thing. So, yeah, w- did Revolution have the same buzz for you or was it a little different? Obviously not being in the building. Um, and good show. Revolution was, is a good show. It, it's not all out. Like, let's be honest. It's not all out. That's, that's, that's like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I think. It didn't end with the punch that All Out did because, like, you're not going to get Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuting at the end of the show. You know, the same night CM Punk comes back to wrestling. Like, you're not going to get that, like – once in a lifetime feeling but this was pretty close because like just up and down the show you had these great matches that were great in different ways you had kingston and jericho just 
getting in and just fighting each other. That was my match of the night. Like, I've been a fan of Eddie Kingston since he was in Ring of Honor. Like, I have loved this guy for a long time. And something about him, like, on these pay-per-views, he just knows how to get in, get his stuff in, and get out. And 13 minutes here with Jericho. They just brawled. Jericho kept going for his face. Kingston just kept dumping him on his head. Like, this felt like a fight. And you go back to the punk match. That one felt like a fight, too. Like, it's something about Eddie just brings out this, like, physical emotion. Like, you feel it with him. Mm -hmm. And then you have the tag title match, which just, I think I tweeted about it, like, it's just unbelievable how like those six guys through like the, these like 20 spot spots and they're all in the right spot. They're all in the right position. They all get out of each other's way and they're all able to like, just make it look effortless. Like it's insane. Yeah. And it, then you get the ladder match. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And that, that ladder match was, you know, really like, I think, uh, you know, I didn't, I'm, I'm kind of have ladder match fatigue, so I didn't love it as much as like some other people did. And, and, and that's just more of a me thing versus like what they did. But yeah, I mean, they were able to integrate. This is a ladder match that did not have your typical quote unquote ladder match guys in it. I mean, it had, you know, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, Orange Cassidy, who, who obviously, you know, felt the, the biggest effects of this and, is, it, you know, came out a little injured. Uh, Keith Lee, Christian Cage, and Wardlow, like, it's a powerhouse ladder match. Like, look at like, Christian Cage is, like, the smallest guy. Christian Cage and Orange Cassidy are the smallest guy in the match, so they had to they had to kind of get a ladder match together with a bunch of dudes that you wouldn't consider, you know, being a ladder match type of guys or whatever, and it rocked. Like, it was really, really good despite that with Wardlow, Keith Lee, powerhouse Hobbs, and, and you know, those guys doing big man spots. I mean, yeah, I think that was a work of art as well, and yeah, we're talking about, that's just the first three matches of the show. That's That's you got Kingston and Jericho. They beat the hell out of each other. Just great, great stuff. Um, the tag title match, which, like you said, yeah, it's just a, a you know, guys just doing stuff like crazy. Nobody in the wrong spot ever. Never a move that's even slightly out of place or, 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 or not working perfectly. And that's the Bucks can just do that in their sleep these days. And, and yeah, the face of the revolution. I mean, you start off with three just really, really great matches. And honestly, my match of the night still hasn't come yet. I thought the main event was good. And then Moxley and Diaz was great, too. Like, there is, no, I mean, the only things that on this show that you can really say, and Joe said it on, on, on her instant reaction, the only matches you can really say that didn't deliver were the women's matches, you know, for better or for worse. I thought the TBS title was fine. It did exactly what it needed to do with Jade Cargo getting the win, you know, in seven minutes or whatever. And Britain Thunder, I mean, that I, I think most people would probably agree that was a disappointing match. And, and uh, you know, we expected a little bit more. And let's hope... Uh, that uh, this week on Dynamite in the cage match in Thunder Rosa's hometown that that they both step up and have a little bit of a better match. But, I mean, take those matches out or kind of strike them from the record or whatever, and you're talking about an all-time, all-time great show. And I think it does belong in that pantheon of just, like like you said, you you doubled your <laughs> you know your four-star matches uh, in a single night. I mean, you can't beat that for uh, you know a, a pay-per-view. I mean, that's a great value to get out of a pay-per-view to get that many good things. But, um What'd you think of uh move out of the dog collar match here a little bit? So I, I talked at length about that, but uh, uh what'd you think of the the CM Punk MJF and we can talk about the entrance music thing if you want, but I'm exhausted by it. Um it's like a few dumb people that it got amplified way, 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 way more than it should be, uh, because people are really insecure about their knowledge of wrestling or whatever. So I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on, on the entrance music thing, or would you rather just talk about the match and how great it was? If we recorded this yesterday or the day before, I could have gone on a rant, but I'm over it now. Yeah. Like, it's just, 
it's okay if you don't know, but like, don't extend that to a mythical person too stupid to tie his shoes. Like, don't extend it to this mythical casual fan that you make up in your head because you don't understand it. So no one else is going to like, like Excalibur said it in like 15 seconds. You're right. If you didn't know it, music. Yeah, if you're confused for a few minutes, like, or for, I don't know, 25 seconds, Excalibur says, ah, CM Punk really good, taking it back to Ring of Honor with the entrance music and ring gear. And it's like, there you go. That's all you needed. That's it. You're done. You're done. You're done. It's right there. But, uh, yeah, it, I, I thought one of the tweets that really, um, that I love the most was PWO Loss, at PWO Loss, uh, who said, there is an entire processing religion around the idolized casual fan it's similar to how politicians talk about white factory workers in the Midwest. And I thought that was a great tweet and a great analogy because, yes, every single political season, there's this mythical, you know, blue collar factory worker guy that they're, you know, bootstrap, hard hat, lunch pail. And those people really don't exist in the sense that they think they exist, that these politicians think they exist and are all vying for. And it's the same thing with wrestling fans and wrestling pundits is that immediately if like they don't understand something it immediately is like, well, uh, casual fans are going to get this. Or even if they do understand it, they're like, oh, casual fans are going to get this. They're, they're fine. Casual fans are fine. The people that watch the show are fine. They will either know what it is. They won't know what it is. Excalibur will explain it. If Excalibur didn't say a thing and didn't explain a thing and just set up, oh, well, there's CM Punk. Like, Okay, then I could maybe, maybe buy it. But he told you what it was, and it's, like, not that hard to, to figure it out. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of, like, projecting. I don't know what this is, so everybody else watching this has no idea what it is except for, you know, wrestling dorks or whatever. And it's like, ah, I mean, th- people will figure it out. It, it's not that, you know, not that difficult to figure out. So If the casual fan didn't understand punk coming out to his old music, the casual fan did understand Wardlow giving him MJF's ring 20 minutes later. Because they've been seeing it on the TV show that they watch. Yeah, like, exactly. Or just figured, hey, I don't know what's going on here, but CM Punk's, you know, he means business here. You know, he, he came out with different gear and different music. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, the fans like, seem to like it, and the announcer's saying something about it. Okay, it's fine. But, uh, yeah, we we got to stop with this, like, that something happens that happened not in the company, and somebody's not screaming about it. So now, like, the your brain just turns into utter mush, and you just can't even consider other facts. What is happening? Why is this happening? Ah, and then you turn it off and you never watch it again. That, that, Cause that's, that's the mythical casual fan is they see something they don't quite understand. And instead of saying, Hmm, I wonder what this is, or hmm, I should look more into this. They instead, you know, spontaneously combust and then never watch the television show ever again. So that's, that's unfortunately what the mythical fan does. So, but the match was great. But yes, like, let's not ignore all that bullshit and talk about how great this match was. I went full five on it. I thought this was, uh, probably in my running now for, for match of the year. Uh, I thought emotion was there. The work was there. The blood was there. Callbacks, references to CM Punk and Raven, references to other stuff with MJF, a perfect finish, a great ending. The ring was great. I mean, I I said enough about this match already, but but Sue, where, where did you rank this? What would you rate it? And, and overall, what did you think of the match? It's on my match of the year list, too. I've got it at four and a half. Uh, I think there was a little bit of a lull in the middle, but... Like, the stuff that they did do, like, it was excellent. Like, you started off with MJF coming out and trolling people with Cult of Personality, which, if you remember, that's the first thing people wanted MJF to do, like, 
since before Punk came into the company. They've been wanting him to do that forever to get him heat. And so he does that. I still think he should have done it in Chicago at at that debut rampage. I still like I was there live and I was like, they got to do that. Like he would be so hated. But I I get it. They wanted that first pop to be that first pop or whatever. But I I really do think that if I was backstage, you would have had to really talk me out of having MJF come out and say, oh, do you want it? You know, because that next pop is still going to be very big when it does hit again and CM Punk does come out. But uh, yeah, I still think. If if Tony Khan was a real pro wrestling fan, he would have went for the heat in that segment. But they just decided to go with the simple thing. So, yeah, the simple thing that will live on in wrestling history is <laughs> Which is one of the, the greatest movie. moments. Ever. Yes, he probably he should have done that and not listened to the, the the wrestling fan inside of him that was looking for heat. But anyway, but yeah, then you had Punk coming out to the AFI again. I'm slapping the leather chair next to me, like. Then, like, the second MJF realizes he's in trouble, he cowers in the corner, and what does he do? He offers a handshake, the first thing that kicked this feud off. Like, there's so many little things that they just threaded together from this feud that they paid off in this match. And then at the end, you get the ultimate payoff with Wardlow, turning on him, giving Punk the ring and knocking him out. And I did want to answer Joe from the uh, instant reaction. He was saying, like, why, like, his one complaint, and it was a little nitpick, was why does he need the ring when he's got a 40-pound chain on his neck? He's been hitting him with the chain for, like, yeah, it's not working. Five minutes, like <laughs> right. it wasn't working. Right, the I, ring is one shot, one kill. Yeah, I yeah, it's it's yeah. I I agree, and I, I think I addressed it too with Joe. I think that was just super super nitpicky. I I to me, I didn't that didn't bother me whatsoever. I think yeah, he, like you said, the chain he has been working on, and I think more than anything, it was Punk kind of saying, I could probably beat you using whatever I want. But it was a symbolic thing of, you know what, Max, you've been using this ring on everybody. This has been your your you, you know your security blanket. This is how you've beaten everybody. I'm gonna get that one final shot in with this ring that that you know, even if even if you want to suspend your disbelief about like oh it means it's it, it's no more impactful than the chain. It's just the symbolism of I'm just gonna do this to you because I can and because I should to you know for you to finally get your comeuppance uh, once and for all. I, I had zero problem with it. I think it worked yeah. great. Punk had hit him with the GTS. He fell into the tax. That was the end of the match. Oh, he knew. He, yeah, he could have pinned him right there, but it wasn't yeah. enough. And then, you know, he had the Wardlow turn. He found the ring. There you go. Yeah, yeah so, so I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. Uh, Moxley and Danielson, uh, obviously, really, really enjoyed that match. Uh, what did you think? Did you think it uh, quite lived up to your expectations of what you thought coming in? Yeah, these two just beat the hell out of each other. Like, it was just... They hit each other really hard, and they bled. Like, they gave you what they told you they were going to give <laughs> yep. you, and it ruled. And then at the end, you got William Regal coming out, headbutting Moxley, getting some blood on him, and then making him shake hands. Like, it ruled. Yeah, I, and my favorite part like, of that entire match was uh, in the post-match when, uh, when, when Regal comes out and he headbutts uh, Moxley to kind of say, hey, you know, you're trying to knock some sense into him. Hey, figure this out. What are you doing there, pal? And Danielson, the look on his face, we talked about it in the interaction. Oh, Danielson's yeah, got this. Ha ha. <laughs> you know, dad yeah. got mad at you. Look, like you're in trouble. You're in and then trouble, Regal turns yeah. around and slaps the shit out of Danielson. And Danielson's <laughs> like, oh, what? It's like, <laughs> I'm in trouble too. It was just, oh my God. It's so great. Wrestling is so good. Oh God, wrestling is the best. It's just... Just being able to do that stuff, you know what I mean? Just being able to kind of 
oh, it's it's yeah, working for AEW's got to be so good if you're these guys. Like, look at these guys. Look at these guys. What they're able to do in this company, man. Man, oh man. All right, and uh, then and you the, got Sting jumping off a balcony. <laughs> right, next exactly. Sixty-two-year-old Sting jumping off, and uh, so I've seen some replays of this. So initially, I thought, wow, you know, they yeah, it's a big spot for Sting. You know, he's coming off the bal- balcony, he's going through a bunch of tables or whatever. Yeah, but you know, so I saw another view. Like he had to go a way far distance. Have you have you seen those other angles of the spot? The only other angle I saw was where like you see him jump and he disappears. Yeah, and I thought it looked like. Um, when Buzz jumped off the balcony, off the uh, staircase in Toy Story, yeah, it's, it's where he just falls. Yeah, because when, when the way they shot it, and I thought they shot it strategically, they shot it low where Sting is coming at you or whatever, and you're like, okay, yeah, that looks. I thought they were kind of trying to make it look like, oh, you know, he's coming from not that big of a distance, but hey, we're gonna shoot it low uh, to do that. Like, I almost think they should have shot it from far away because you're like, oh my god, that 62 year old man just jumped like a lot of feet through a bunch of these tables. Like that is. Even more remarkable uh, on the replay of what I saw in that angle that you're talking about was like, holy crap, like, that dude is 62 freaking years old. And then I I still, still cannot fathom what in the world Sammy and Isaiah Cassidy were doing, doing that Spanish fly through two, there's only two tables on the top of the entrance ramp. They missed the one table completely. Yeah. They don't even touch the one table. They completely, the one table is just completely irrelevant. And they barely, barely make the second table. What would have happened if they just missed both tables? Like, these men are dead, right? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Set up a few more tables. Like, let's get a few more tables out there. Two tables? Like, you're, you're so confident in your reverse flip, your back flip holding a person that you think, ah. Yeah, this we'll get it within these seven feet. You know, that's like they had such a small window to put them in, and they almost missed them. Almost missed both. Like, what was the plan? What was the plan if they just missed both tables? I don't think that was the plan. I think they planned. <laughs> you got to think about both. that plan, though. I think you have to think about that plan. But yeah, then you know, Wednesday you had Sammy taking it easy. Only did a six thirty through one table. Yeah, only just At made a table fucking explode. Yeah, as he went through. Yeah, yeah. Hot that's knife it. through butter on a. Able like just the man's insane. The man's insane. Yeah, he he is absolutely wild. And then uh, the main event, uh, Paige and, and Adam Cole. Um, I, I thought it was really, I thought it was good. I I don't think it was anywhere near on the level of Moxley and Danielson. I don't think it was anywhere near the level of Punk and, and MJF. And I don't think it was anywhere near on the level of Kingston and Jericho. So I firmly put it in kind of middle road. And that's not necessarily. You know, that's not a bad thing when you're talking about a show like this that had so many good things. But, yeah, it, it may be a little bit disappointing for, for some people if you're expecting, you know, AEW main events to kind of deliver on that level. But, I, you know, it's not that big of a deal for me. Like, it doesn't really matter, you know, all out. We talked about one of the greatest shows uh, we had ever been to, one of the greatest pay-per-views ever. Like, the main event of that show was just good. You know what I mean? It was a good, you know, Christian Kenny Omega was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't all-time great. It was just a solid as hell match, but like, it's fine. Like, that's okay when you have another or you have a show where pretty much everything else on it is, is fucking great, but uh, what did you think of the title match? Did you, were you disappointed? Did it meet your expectations? Kind of what were your, your, your thoughts on that? I said, I did the written preview on the uh, website. Um, I In it, I said that like if these two could keep the crowd engaged after like a four hour show with where you know, let's be honest, they were coming in cold. If they could come in and get this crowd into it, 
That would be legitimately impressive. And the crowd was, they were engaged, but at the first half of the match, they were goofing off. Like they had just figured out that both guys' names were Adam. <laughs> so they were having some fun yeah. with that. It was pretty funny that you all look, I, I don't know how many people, 9,000, 10,000, whatever, many thousand people were there. All simultaneously, three minutes into the match, realized, wait, <laughs> they're both Adam. Like, that guy's Adam. <laughs> that guy's Adam. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, because it's like it starts out as a very light chant. And then little by little, like the light bulb just bing, ding, ding. And everyone's like, wait, a they're both Adam. And yeah, they kind of go with that for the next 10 minutes, unfortunately, that both men are named Adam. So, But then after that, like, I think it was like the table spot where it might have been before then, but they got them like legitimately into it. Like they were going, let's go hangman, Adam Cole. Like it was a split crowd, mm-hmm. but they got them like legitimately into the match. And I thought that was impressive. And I thought the match was good too. Like there was po- there were a couple points where I thought, like, are they putting the title on Cole here? Like, I would have thought it was a mistake, but like they got me a couple times. And if you can if you can get me to think a title change is gonna happen when I know it isn't, like I'm gonna have high marks for that. I went four and a half on this one too. I thought this was a really great match. And then at the end, you got Cole get his, you had Hangman get his revenge for Cole taping him up to the ropes. He tied him to the ropes with the belt. Then he hit Cole with Cole's move and then beat him with his, which uh, it made what Cole said on Dynamite funny because it's like he called it a fluke, but Hangman beat him. He didn't just beat him with Hangman's move. He beat him. He beat you with your move, Cole. So like. What are you talking about? It's yeah, food, that's why I wasn't sure if like that was supposed to be taken as like I'm a you know a heel that doesn't quite understand what happened because he's like ah you barely beat me you beat me with a fluke and I took you to the limit I'm like I think he beat you pretty convincingly and did it with your yeah, move he, like <laughs> so I don't know if I was supposed to interpret clear. that yeah I don't know if I was supposed to interpret that as like Cole like is just kind of trying to lie to himself or if we're supposed to believe that like that was him being taken to his limit. I don't know. I was kind of, I'm still a little weirded out by that of not quite sure what I was supposed to believe with. uh, I think that's Cole just being, just being a heel trying to talk his way back into a match. Right, 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 right. But yeah, I, yeah, I top the bottom. Great show. The, uh, we, uh, let me say this. When we walk into the theater, we get there a little late. We miss the, uh, we miss the first match on the buy-in. So we get uh, we get to the theater, get our tickets, walk into the theater. The first thing we see on the silver screen is Hook, oh. and it's like, man, it's downhill from here. Like, <laughs> right? We can leave. You tell yeah. your sister, oh, I've seen what I saw. I needed to see. We're good. Like, let's go. Like, and then you know, I just got a great show. Yeah, Hook was good. Six man, I put, went no book on that. Like. I don't think Eric Redbeard is all elite. I haven't seen that graphic, but this was a one night deal. Like he did really good. Yeah. Yeah. He was hit his spots. He was all he that's what he did in those Wyatt matches where, you know, he was always in his spot. Yeah. He never I, screwed that up. I talked about know? it in the instant reaction. Like it, it, it you know, the best way to describe him, and it, I don't mean this as a bad thing, but like being the fifth or sixth best guy in a six man tag is an important role because sometimes that guy is like absolutely awful. Like that guy can't do anything and it's terrible or whatever, but being like a solid sixth guy in a match 
and, and like you said, always being in the right spot, always doing what you need to do, being a good base, being, you know, the size you are. I mean, yeah, that, that can really, really be a, an effective tool. And yeah, I thought he did exactly the same role that he did during those great Wyatt family, uh, you know, shield matches all, all those many years ago. I think he did on this night too. It was just like, hey, I don't have to be the best guy in this match. I don't even have to be the you know, fifth best guy in this match. I just got to play my role perfectly. And I think he did. He, he did that. And he was super over too. Like, did you think there were this many people in the Vintner Hive? Like, I yeah, dude. I don't. <laughs> they love. They love the Vintner. Yeah, but... But uh, yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, they, those the fan. I mean, the fans were great all night. Uh, the the exact opposite. They were on Dynamite. They were pretty low. Uh, pretty boring crowd on on Dynamite. But um, yeah, that was a small crowd too. I think it was like thirty five hundred or something. But um, I did want to bring up. Um, Meltzer had the uh, projections for the pay per view. I don't know if you saw if you uh, uh, heard. yeah I saw some of them, but I I forget the I saw people talking about it, but I I don't. Do you have the numbers in front of you? Yes, so um, it's projected to have done between one hundred forty six thousand and one hundred seventy thousand buys. Uh, anything in that range would make it the second most bought pay per view in company history. Wow. So okay. They would have beaten Full Gear. It would have beaten Revolution last year, which did. 135 that was the uh barbed wire match so yeah hey there you go hangman headline in the second and third biggest pay-per-views in company history yeah i mean how it, about it i mean <laughs> yeah it's not hey. uh, you're not wrong i mean it, it is true yeah that's those are great numbers uh if those are the case i mean that and i think that's something that um does maybe go underreported or underthought about is people look at those numbers and they go oh you know it's 100 but like you know, peak, you know, there was a lot of TNA pay-per-views that were getting like 10,000 people, and that was 10 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. was a long time ago that they were doing one-tenth of that, and that's when pay-per-view was, you know, 10 times more important and 10 times more relevant. I mean, these are these are good pay-per-view numbers. They're not, like, blow away. They're not like, oh, my God, this is a totally transformative, you know, way to present, you know, a, a sports or, or, or wrestling or whatever, but those are damn good numbers. And, and you know, yeah, that's a, not including people going to theaters, not including all that sort of stuff, which is, a, you know, a minimal, you know, number there, but uh, they're making money on these. Like, that's a lot of money coming in for these pay-per-views. So, yeah, I, I, right. I would expect yeah. that not to change unless uh, HBO Max gives them a deal they, they absolutely cannot refuse. Um, but I would say right now would not, I mean, I, if fuck, I would really need a lot of money from HBO max, uh, or, or whoever, whatever streaming service wants to get them to, to put their pay-per-views on streaming. Cause right now I'm looking at, at those pay-per-view numbers and going, no, nah, I'm good. Like I'm going to, I'm going to take, you know, $50 times 140,000 people. Like I, I, I like that uh, math. So no, I'm going to keep that instead. So, and then, you know, every year, each pay-per-view is growing year to year. Yeah. Like if you. Like WrestleNomics.com, you can look at the chart, AEW pay-per-view buys, every pay-per-view, 2019, then you get to 2020, they're a little bit higher. 2021, they jump up a lot, and then you have, you know, then you've got All Out, which is the the punk anomaly, we'll call it. Yeah, that one, That let's and just then, strike that one from the record. I mean, nothing will ever top that one. <laughs> That's just an otherworldly. But now they're doing even higher than before punk. So, right. like... It's paying off, and if if Revolution's numbers are in that range, then the trend stays the same. So, hey, the process is working. It is, yeah, and and you're only going to help people by you know anybody that bought this pay per view. Like there, there's definitely a case to be made that last year after last year's Revolution, if people that bought that pay per view and 
you had the explosion and like a so so mad a show and i could see it maybe being like eh, i don't know is this worth 40 dollars next month or whatever there is no way that you finished revolution and and, and didn't think Man, shit! Next time they're on paper, I'm buying that shit for sure. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's it's they they they're rewarding you now by having you know not only good builds but also delivering on those pay per views with with just like stellar stellar matches uh, and and great great shows. So yeah, that should only continue to help their uh, their numbers as well. So good yeah, for them. A lesser company, like a lesser like Booker, would have like panicked at the end of that like Revolution show and like just like done whatever to like keep people like tuned in like. No, we're not bad. Please keep watching. But right. you know, they stayed the course and now they're reaping the benefits of it. Now mm-hmm. they got Punk in, they got Danielson, Cole, like it's all paying off here. Uh we'll talk about a, a debut on, on Dynamite. We did not mention this, sorry. I mentioned it briefly. Uh Jeff Hardy uh debuted okay. and, and he's another guy that again, like I am not a fan of the Hardy Boys. I'm not really a fan of uh, of of Matter Jeff. I've been kind of over them for, for a decade plus and God, even even more than that, I probably about twenty years for the Hardy Boys combined. But uh, there's no doubt that Jeff Hardy does bring a certain history of moving business with him. That uh, it'll be interesting to see if he carries that on as well. I mean, it has been a few years now since he he did do that. But like, yeah, pretty famously around the time when you started watching, like he became a bona fide star, like a bona fide superstar in WWE. Was actually moving business, was moving pay per view numbers, was was moving ratings, uh, doing all that sort of stuff. So. There's a case to be made that yeah maybe he is yet another you know guy there like even and even if he's not he's like a guy on the roster that a, a, a nostalgia act that a lot of people do like you know one final run for the Hardy Boys it's not something that interests me all that much but uh, where where do you land on this Hardy debut like I, are are you a curmudgeon like me or are you actually excited about this? I would be more excited if it was a Jeff Hardy run and not the Hardys. Oh, but you love like, Matt Hardy though. I I am under the impression that you are the world's number one Matt Hardy fan. Is that is that incorrect? I would call that incorrect. Okay. I would call that wrong. Um, I'm kidding, of course. You are, you are the you are the leader of the Matt Hardy uh, haters club. I, I would say because uh, yeah, you uh, not a fan of Matt Hardy, and I, I'm kind of with you too. Like I I have, I might have like minimal interest in Jeff Hardy, but I have like negative interest, like negative ten thousand percent interest in ever seeing Matt Hardy ever again on AEW. I, I would be perfectly fine. If he went away and was never ever ever heard from again, yeah, I feel like the HFO was by and large useless. Like they didn't really do anything for anybody, and now they're Andrade's unit, I guess. Yeah, we got to figure out how to get Private Party back uh, doing something more than this stuff. It's it's. I, I thought I mean, they might be they might be going against the Hardys. Yeah, so that's true. Know, that's good, something, I guess. Not a bad team to work against. No. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, Hardy, I'm, I'm a net positive on that. I think you know he's a good enough wrestler at this point in his career. Like you don't really have to push him; he'll be eternally over. He brings that name value. You get the merch sales. Like there, there's more positives than negatives to it, I guess. Yeah, I just you know I would prefer it if if it was. Jeff and not the Hardy Boys. Like the their tag divisions, like they're too stacked to be like 
we're doing the Hardys thing again. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, you know, there are there are a lot of people that are like, no, it's a Hardy Boys reunion. I'm like, I've seen like three Hardy Boys reunions in my life. Like, I'm good. I, I am perfectly satisfied. My, my thirst for a Hardy Boys reunion has been quenched many times. I don't need it again. Uh, I don't need one final run of it. I've had it, I've had it, I've had it. But yeah, with that being said, like, I, I am cautiously optimistic because of the way that AEW has used these nostalgia acts and has used these guys is every single one of them has been used to get somebody else over has been used to get a young wrestler over CM Punk. You know, they probably don't need to treat CM Punk that way, but I think CM Punk wants to be that way and has, has done every one of his stories with the younger wrestler trying to get him over Brian Danielson, maybe a little bit of a different one because Danielson is like still in his quote unquote prime or whatever. So I don't really count him as a quote unquote, you know, a, a nostalgia act in that same way, but like Christian with jungle boy, that's eventually going to happen. Um, We've seen it with you know you know Sting and Darby. Yeah, it's like another the perfect example there. Like instead of you know the TNA style where Sting is winning your world title, Sting is just attached to the hip with a younger wrestler to try to get him over. You know, Punk in his early days was attached to the hip with with Darby as well to kind of get him over. Christian attached to the hip with Jungle Boy. Like they've kind of done that with every one of the regular guys. So if that's like if the Hardy Boys go out there and win the tag team titles and they're like the best tag team, then I, I, I'm well in my rights to roll my eyes and go, really, this is what we're doing. But if they're just going to go out there to have matches with the private party or have matches with Darby and Sting and, and, and do stuff like that, then, then do the young bucks match. Right. And yeah, that's fine. Like that, that's perfectly fine. But they have been able to kind of resist that temptation to put the nostalgia X too, too much over. Uh, so, so I will, I'll go in cautiously optimistic, even though I'm still um, kind of just bored of, of the whole Hardy Boys thing, but I get it. I get it. Yeah. I don't. I don't personally like it, but I get it. Is probably the best way to say it. If there's any more juice, if there's any, I don't even know how to say this. Like, yeah, if there's, there's any, any more, more juice, juice to squeeze. To squeeze like, yeah, I'm. Tr- I trust that AEW knows how to do. It. I trust that Tony Khan knows to get that last few drops of, of orange juice out of uh, uh, Jeff Hardy. That if anybody can do it, uh, it, it's probably him that can do it. So. Yeah, uh, there you go. Well, s- speaking of us uh, squeezing the absolute last <laughs> remnants of juice out of somebody, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is coming back or something. I'm being delivered an ice cream cake. What is this? Yeah, Ooh. it's melting, so I'm going to put it in the freezer. All right, I will have it afterwards. So It's rainbow. So There you go. Katie was leaving. <laughs> yeah. And we were fighting over who was going to get the rest of the rainbow cake. Uh-huh. And she said, I'll cut in half. And I said, there's only one box, Katie. How are you going to cut in half? So you cut the box in half. She's like, I'll cut the box in half. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You can't do that. And then I came in the back and the box was cut in half. And now we said, it's like a BFF thing. <laughs> it's like the necklace, the BFF because, necklace? Because like, she has one half of the rainbow box and I have the other. <laughs> okay, well, I, I can't in good conscience eat the rest of this cake, though. That's the only thing I ate today for lunch. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, <laughs> so, well, go get high and eat the rest of this if you want. You can so do it. So I was like, we bought this cake. It's my best friend at work's last day. And we get in the back and I said, I looked at her. I was like, well, I got to take the cake out so it can defrost because it's an ice cream cake. And she looks at me and she goes, can we eat the cake first? And I was like, yeah, obviously. And then you never ate anything else. And then I, we both heated up our lunches and then we got rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> We'll enjoy it. Well, am I allowed to have that ice cream cake or no? Dude, it's like five inches of kite glass. Okay, so I don't need all of it, it's, is what you're saying. No, this is for like four more people. <laughs> I can eat a lot, so. <laughs> no, we tried. <laughs> Hi, nurse. I have a weed joke about you later. Oh, there you go. We have a guest host. Uh, no joke, so. The nurse. She doesn't care. She, she ignored you. She doesn't care anymore. Here, I have headphones. 
<laughs> do you want me to have her come over and you can do your weed joke now? Well, it's about one of the matches. I was just gonna like slip it in there, but I mean, we can. Ah, like, nah, we'll wait. She'll be we can do it with no context. Yeah, that's fine. Nah, that's all right. All right, we'll call that a teaser, and we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll let you. We'll that's what we call the biz. So you're a pro. You're a pro suit. You, you know the teaser. So. Uh, anyway, st- speaking of uh, squeezing juice out of the last little remnants here, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin is coming back, sort of, to meet or confront or do something with Kevin Owens at WrestleMania or something. So uh, if you've not been following this, Kevin Owens has been wearing a cowboy hat and being very mean about oh. Texas. And uh, <laughs> that's a... the dog doing that's gross. No, Kevin Owens. She hates Kevin oh. Owens. It's like her least favorite wrestler. <laughs> like her least favorite wrestler. In the world is is one Kevin Owens. Or but, my uh, mom had that in common. I hate, I hate fucking Kevin Owens, and I hate cowboy hats, and the two together make me want to vomit up the rainbow. Well, cake. then you should watch night one of WrestleMania. Gross. Stone Cold Steve Austin. We will, WrestleMania uh, Saturday. <laughs> WrestleMania Saturday night, yes. I'm gonna, thank God I'm going to be in Alaska. Yeah, all right. Hit the bricks. Hit the bricks. God. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Kevin Owens has been very mean about Texas. Uh, so we eventually this Monday called out by name Stone Cold Steve Austin to appear on WrestleMania Saturday and appear on the KO show. Uh, on Tuesday, WWE posted a video with Austin accepting the challenge. Quote, whether you want to call this a KO show, a match, a fight, a brawl, whatever, I will guarantee you this, in Dallas, Texas, where I started my career at WrestleMania, Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to open up one last can of whoop-ass on you, Kevin Owens, and that's the bottom line. The Stone Cold said so. So Dave Meltzer reported uh, that Owens and Austin is officially on the books as a quote-unquote confrontation. What do you make of all this stuff going on, Suit? They asked Austin to wrestle Owens, and he said no. So they kind of just worked around that, and now they're they are uh, trying to t- they're trying to like. I don't know, trick people into thinking Austin's going to, like, fight? Like, because I've seen a couple, I've seen, like, a couple, like, media outlets saying, like, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to WrestleMania, and he's going to be in the ring with uh, Kevin Owens, where it's something where it's, like, super specific, where it's, where, like, someone who doesn't know any better would think, oh, man, Stone Cold's wrestling. And it's like, uh, no, he's not. They're going to be very disappointed if, if that's the case. Right. And yeah, it, it, I think it has been a little. And I, it's so in part, it's disingenuous on WWE's behalf, but it's WWE and they're a wrestling company. They're professional yeah. liars. It's a company of professional liars. Like, I'm, I, I'm not going to hate on them for trying to trick the audience into thinking that you're going to get a Stone Cold Steve Austin match or whatever. Like, that's fine. That's what they're trying to do. That's what they do. They're a company that lies to their fans <laughs> professionally. That's what they do. I I expect a little bit better out of everybody else, though. But like you're saying, I see a lot of people weirdly being like, whoa, this is Austin's first match since WrestleMania. And it's like, no, it's it's not like they've they've tried to kind of tell you. And, and Austin even says it in his promo there that whether it's the KO show, a match, a fight, a brawl, whatever Owen says, hey, I want you to come out on the KO show. Like, maybe they were kind of directing it towards a match, but I feel like anybody with any amount of of of, of logic or sense could have said, okay, 
Austin's not getting in the ring there and wrestling. Like, there's a reason why he hasn't wrestled for 20 years. He's not going to come back here and wrestle Kevin Owens. Like, his body probably can't do it. He probably doesn't want to do it. Whatever. So, but somehow people just kept running with it. And now we're pretending that this is, like, the first time Stone Cold Steve Austin's appeared in anything in, like, 20 years. Like, he was he was at the last WrestleMania in Dallas. <laughs> right. He did. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Suits. I, maybe, I, maybe my brain turned to mush. I thought he did Stone Cold Stunners to Rusev and Wade Barrett on that WrestleMania. Did he not? I mean, my brain did melt during that show. Like, maybe that was like hour five and I was gone by like hour three. That was a horrific WrestleMania, by the way. But yes. One of the worst nights. Like, the one of the worst rock, nights the rock of my the flamethrower. The rock like, of the flamethrower. I'll never forget how upset I was. I was with a buddy watching. And when I hear, do you smell? And I'm like, oh, what's the fuck? Let's go. Like, I'm so sick of this. And then my my guy's got a flamethrower. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, come on. We're six hours into the show. And this motherfucker's lighting his logo on fire. With like, What are we doing? But yeah, at some point during that nine-hour marathon, Austin did stunners to Rusev and Barrett. So we've seen that. Also, <laughs> also, in that same show, he did a Stone Cold Stunner to Xavier Woods. Okay? Yeah. Then, on Raw 25... January 22nd, 2018, he did a Stone Cold Stunner to Shane and Vince McMahon. I kind of remember that. Yes. Then on <laughs> the Raw reunion in 2019, he did a Stone Cold Stunner to AJ Styles. I don't remember that. On the March 16th, 2020 Raw, the weird, um, one of the first one weird of the first COVID ones. ones. Yeah. Where um, they had the hard cam facing empty seats the back <laughs> of the, the and the back of the uh, what was it the performance center yes with the with the HVAC units in the background going on. Anyway, he stunned Byron Saxton and then gave Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford Stone Cold stunners. So why are we pretending that this is the first time that he's done anything? He's going to go into this ring, he's going to talk shit to Kevin Owens, and he's going to give him a stunner. We've seen this. We saw it at WrestleMania, like you pointed out, and we've seen it five, four or five times since then. But people I, are pretending that if you're not excited about this, that you just, what the hell, why are you not excited about Stone Cold returning to the ring? He's been in the ring. He hasn't left. Like, <laughs> I found this tweet from the official SportsCenter account. Blue check mark and everything. Here is the tweet. Stone Cold is returning to the ring for hashtag WrestleMania. And then there's a little image that says, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin will make his return to the ring and face Kevin Owens at WrestleMania 38, the WWE announced. Like, they're trying to make people think Steve Austin's yes. wrestling. And he's not. Right. And, and, like, and, like, you should be smarter to realize that. Like, WWE, again, is trying to trick you. But, again, like, I, I, I don't give them, like, I kind of, I, I hate to say that I'm giving them, like, yeah, but they, they're allowed to because they're wrestling. You know, it's WWE. They're, like garbage anyway and they're they're in this business or whatever but like no people need to be smarter about this but they're not so WWE is it they're, they're playing exactly in WWE's hands because you have sports center and a bunch of other people advertising that stone cold is returning to the ring and there's probably a lot of people that are gonna check out wrestlemania now because oh hey cool stone cold's gonna return to the ring uh, and they're gonna be greatly disappointed when my man's out there in his you know jeans and his shirt and he gives a stunner to kevin owens and then that's it like that because that's yeah if people expect you know the knee braces to be put on and, and he's going to go out there and have a 15 minute back and forth wrestling match with Kevin Owens. Like that's clearly not happening. And WWE is being safe to tell you that's not happening in a way, but everybody else is still kind of convinced that is happening for some odd, strange reasons. So I don't know what the hell. 
going on. Coming out on his ATV. You think he's going to pull out the ATV? Oh, yeah, for sure, right? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. The New Day have been apparently doing something with an ATV on SmackDown. Okay. So maybe he won't steal their gimmick or whatever. Because, you know, that's what they worry about. (laughs) Oh, but yeah, day. there's. I like how the new taste. <laughs> uh, remember when Biggie, Biggie was a champion? And Kofi, remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, that was. Uh, I do my math here. Not that long ago, <laughs> that was pretty close <laughs> to recently, and it's they're now on ATVs. He lost, and, the, ugh, he lost the title New Year's Day, day one. <laughs> man, how, how things can change in a hurry. Man, what a disaster! But uh, yeah, it's it's very bizarre, and uh, hopefully, like people start kind of waking up to it as we get a little bit closer. But yeah, there's a lot of people, Sports Center included, that are are just either deciding that he's coming back to the ring for a match, or just deciding that they're not going to even think for a second or do a quick search to find out this man has not left in a long time. But hey, if WWE is going to tell you this is a big deal and he's returning to the ring, and you're just going to ape that exactly, then you know what? More power to WWE. They're smart in what they're doing. And and everybody else is playing right into it. So perfect. right, great. They, they, I did want to say they are like they're starting to like burn. Well, not starting to, but they're burning people with this stuff. Like, did you see the uh, MSG show where they had where they were hyping it up on TV? Oh, Brock Lesnar's got to defend his title at Madison Square Garden. Oh, Roman Reigns has to defend his title too. And then comes show day. Roman Reigns beat Seth Rollins in five minutes. And then main event, last match of the show, Brock Lesnar comes out, his opponent, Austin Theory. Yeah. And he beats him in a squash. Like, how many people do you think who bought tickets last minute for that show? Because that show was, I think it was tracking to do like 5,000 people. And then they announced Brock, and uh, I think they announced Ronda for it too, and they got it up to like eight thousand. Which, for a WrestleMania build-up show in MSG, is pathetic. But never mind that. How many of those three thousand people do you think got burned and are just like hand waving it again? Right, right, right. Yeah, they they, they are really starting. I know. It, <laughs> we always yeah. say this. I mean, there there will come a point where fans do start kind of realizing it, but I guess most of these fans have probably been burnt by WWE many, many times over. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I, I do wonder if there's going to be people that are going to be disappointed. Will people be happy that Stone Cold comes out and stuns Kevin Owens and that'll be just enough for them and they'll be fine with it? Or are there people that are really going into this expecting a lot more and they're going to get real disappointed when he just comes out his music plays and he stuns them, or are they just going to pretend that it's great, even though it's it's not that great? I, I guess that's probably yeah. the more likely scenario. <laughs> so. When he does the same thing he's done once a year since two thousand what three? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just I just did the one since that last WrestleMania that you pointed out. Let alone yeah. he was a you know, the general manager or whatever, the sheriff of Raw. And he did it every single week for like yeah. years. <laughs> so stunning test. <laughs> right, it's, it's... <laughs> Yeah, but the, the idea that he did it at the last Dallas WrestleMania and did it to multiple people at that WrestleMania and they're still kind of pretending that this is something new and unique is uh it's certainly a thing, but uh that that is that. So get excited for Stone Cold to uh come back or something. So 
All right, so we got a few more things to get to. Before we do that, Suits, I do want to let you know that this episode of the Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at Hello. Fresh and with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why they are America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low calorie and carb-conscious options. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you can get the convenience without skipping on the quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store, saving you the long time in line and ensuring that you don't waste money on excess food. So we have an exclusive offer here, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16, and use the promo code VOW16. Don't do what the nurse does, and... Order this without my promo code, which did happen this week, by the way. Uh, HelloFresh.com slash VOW16. Use the promo code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the promo code VOW16 and get 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kits. All right. All right, so you ready to talk some Dragon Gate? Uh, yes, I did uh, pee in a water bottle while you were doing that. <laughs> Tell me you did. Oh, did you actually do that? I did. Uh, the well, spirit of Joe lives on. Congratulations. Congratulations. So you, you had water. No Coke Z, though. Are you a Coke Z drinker? No, not too much. Uh, not too much uh, sodas these days. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm keeping it to water, and then I got a thing of protein drinks in the little mini fridge in my room there. there you go there you go you did not you can just go you do not have to pee for the record you or joe do not have to pee in the water bottle you just leave and, and come back like i do it all the time because i am not uh, i'm not confident in my uh my ability to pee in a water bottle just yet so i didn't want to i didn't want to risk missing like having that awkward silence like oh oh he's is he muted or maybe <laughs> maybe, maybe he's got some technical issues which he's... knowing my wi-fi it's a miracle we haven't had yet, and I hope I didn't mush it just then. But hey, you know, didn't want to risk that silence. So well, well, I thank just, you. I I, uh, I don't know if I'm going to give you that same. I might uh, I might just actually straight up say, hey, I'm going to pee. So talk about this match at some point. But I'm okay for I'm okay for right now. But maybe in a bit, uh, I will have to do that. But uh, so uh, Dragon Gate uh, had a great weekend. Champion Gate in Osaka. Two great shows. Reviews up right now at VoicesOfWrestling.com from Case Low. Uh, nobody reviews Dragon Gate better uh, than Case does. Nobody talks about Dragon Gate better than Case and Mike Spears do. Uh, open the Voice Gate on uh, the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. But, uh, Stuart, I wanted to talk with you a little bit uh, about this weekend because I thought this was a great weekend from Dragon Gate. A real, to me, a classic Dragon Gate weekend. This this felt like this company is firing on all cylinders right now. The talent up and down the card is great. The young talent is good. The old talent, like, you know, the guys that were kind of getting old and starting to slow down a little bit, those are those guys are starting to kind of either fade away or kind of fade into the distance. The young talent that's replacing them are all great. It feels like everybody's working their asses off these days. I am so high on Dragon Gate right now, and this weekend was just a classic, classic Dragon Gate weekend to me. Uh, before we go, you know, kind of talking about the highlight matches, uh, what do you think of the weekend, and were you able to watch both shows? Uh, I was able to watch all the title matches on both shows. Um, anything else I uh, zoomed through, but I didn't really pay attention to. But I got notes on all the title matches on both nights. But I did want to say this while I was on the flagship. Like, if you're out on New Japan right now, if Noah pissed you off 
And if there's no other, like, hero you're into right now, like, this is a really good time to get into Dragon Gate because there are, like, the units just finished shuffling. Well, they may not even be done shuffling. Yeah, I think they're still going to. Yeah, we still got some more, more, I think. There's a lot of young talent coming up. Like, if you're looking for a promotion that pushes their young talent, that, like, that, like, just promotes their young talent, it has good wrestling, like, just off-the-wall stories, like, the stuff with Jason Lee is ridiculous, but, like, in that good pro-wrestling way. But if you're looking for something new in, like, Japanese wrestling scene, Dragon Gate's it. And I think when, you know, the... uh I think when the noise restrictions are lifted and when these crowd restrictions are lifted, which I think is coming soon, like one of these next Corrigans, I think is uh, is uh, going to be sell as many tickets as you can, like no restrictions. Like when those restrictions come up, I really think Dragon Gate's going to be like they're going to come out of this pandemic red hot because they put themselves in the positions to be. Yeah, it feels like a lot of the other companies, I mean, particularly New Japan, is going to be kind of trying to catch up, saying, okay, now our fans are back. All right, now we promise, like, things are back. We're good, we're good, we're good. It, it does feel like Dragon Gate's like, all right, we don't really even, you know, it doesn't really even matter. We're, we're, pretty, <laughs> we're pretty awesome crowds or not, like, you know, clapping or, you know, to clap crowds or not clap crowds. And you're absolutely right that once they're able to just be at full power, like, it's, they're, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Because, I mean, there, there is no doubt in my mind, you could just hear from the buzz in the audience when these guys come out, when these guys are wrestling, that these fans are ready to make noise. And even on a few of these matches on this show, the fans did slip up a little bit. There was, you know, in that open the triangle gate match, there were a few times where the fans were just like, ah, <laughs> like they couldn't help but scream a little bit. And the twin gate, they kind of did that too. So uh, it was kind of cool to see that. But uh, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that like they're in such a better spot than they were coming into the pandemic and now leaving it. They are just like, you know, uh, quote unquote, hopefully leaving it, fingers crossed, uh, will really be like they're going to be firing on all cylinders and it's just going to be a real special uh, uh, promotion to follow. But yeah, so we'll, we'll just talk about the title matches then because that's that's the ones you watch. And I, I focus on the title matches as well. But I will say, and the reason why I thought this was a great weekend for Dragon Gate is all the non-title matches, everybody was working really, really hard too. And there was a few times during the you know the pandemic years where it did feel like you know some of the undercards and some of the matches that didn't matter, guys were just kind of loafing. They were just kind of doing their basic stuff. Not the case anymore. And I think maybe they see these young guys breathing down their neck and realizing, shit, I got to go out here and like work my ass off because... Uh, my spot is, you know, I can be replaced very easily by some of these guys. And uh, we'll start with the Open the Brave Gate match. This was on March 5th, uh, night one. Uh, Dragon Daya versus Takuma Fujiwara. And uh, holy shit, suit. I mean, when we talk about young guys that can come for your spot, we have Fujiwara, who is still a legit rookie and now has had two matches that are legitimately, legitimately great matches. Dragon Daya, who is now, you know, unmasked and just ready to kind of unleash himself fully on, on Dragon Gate, and he has been awesome, too. He's still stupid young as well. This match suit, anybody who's watching this, anybody who's listening to this, open the Brave Gate title match March 5th, night one, Dragon Gate Champion Gate in Osaka. You have to, have to, have to, have to watch this match. Uh, just, I, I thought, absolutely tremendous stuff by, out of these guys. I went four and a half stars with it. I absolutely loved Everything from this match, from the bell, the moment the bell rang to, to, to every single spot in the match. I mean, they these guys worked their asses off. And in 11 minutes, they they made magic here. Man, they made magic. What what do you think of it? Did you like it quite as much as I did or, uh, or maybe a little bit more, a little bit less? Where are you at with this one? One thing I wanted to say, because this was the opener, it's free on YouTube. Yep. So you have on no Dragon excuse. Gate's you YouTube. have literally no excuse. It's 
Like it's there in full and you get to watch it. And I thought this match ruled. I went four stars on it. Like Fujiwara started wrestling in November. November. Yeah, that's stupid. Like, it's this ridiculous. 2021. <laughs> like it is insane. Like Dragon Gate's cranking out like from the last class that debuted in the pandemic to this class, you've got like eight or nine guys who are just like, oh, these guys are just good. They're just really good right now. And they get to wrestle. Like you look at guys like further up the card, like in title matches on, on these shows, like SB Kento, Jackie Funky Kamei. Like, I don't think those guys have wrestled in front of like real crowds yet. And then you've got Fujiwara here who just started. You've got the Ihashi brothers. Like, it is insane the hit rate that Dragon Gate's, like, having right now with their rookies. And to be able to just put them on a show and give them 10 minutes with, like, Dragon Daya, who's, I think he's 23. Like, he's only three years in. And have a match this good, like... It's ridiculous. Like it makes no sense. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild. And uh, and Case mentioned it in his review. I mean, we are. It's now time to you got to if you haven't watched Fujiwara yet, if you haven't watched this match, like you said, it's free on YouTube. You got to watch this one. If you if you are a fan of wrestling, if you're a fan of wrestling history, we might have something special on our hands with Fujiwara. Like we might have a guy that like who knows? Like maybe this is the highest it's ever going to be or whatever. But like. Either way, you are watching. This guy is already on like the in a rare class of like true rookies in wrestling that are already great. Like he is in that Junakiyama Kurt Angle already, and that's I mean that's a rare class. And when we say that, we mean like truly, like you said, this guy just started wrestling in November. It's not like you know he's been wrestling for five years and now everybody just found out about him or now this year they're actually pushing him. Like literally started wrestling in November and he's already out here having these types of matches, these stellar, stellar matches. And and there are so few guys that are able to be that good that quickly. And it's a rare, rare class of people. And again, who knows? In five years' time, it might be like, oh man, remember when this guy was great? We're going to talk about a guy in a little bit who was like on top of the row when he was 19 and now you can't find him with a search party. But still, we're in a rare, rare class with Fujiwara. So if you've not watched this match, if you've not watched Watch Fujiwara yet. I'm begging you, go watch that. You absolutely, absolutely have to do it. Um, do they have the English commentary on YouTube? I, I always watch on Dragon Gate Network, so I'm not sure uh, if they ever have. I don't I know. If anybody in the No Dope chat room knows, if you've watched on YouTube, if they have the English commentary, because I could see if that's your barrier, if they have English commentary for this match, then you have literally no excuse for not watching this match. It's 11 minutes. I promise you have 11 minutes. It's too bonafide young stars and one guy who's legitimately just started wrestling in November and is already one of the best, you know, rookies we've ever seen ever. Yeah. They have English commentary. Okay, perfect. So then there you go. So if that's your, you have no barriers, there's no barriers. Go watch it. It's free English commentary. It's 11 minutes. It's for a title. Like what more do you want? These guys have a, a history. These guys have had a little bit of a back and forth feud. It's got everything you could possibly want. So yeah, go out of your way to watch it. If you have not uh, watched it yet, uh, and then when you're done, you can read Case's review as he kind of puts it into context, uh, just how incredible it is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is like my pro wrestling. This is Rich Crate Wrestling 101. I mean, the bell rings, and they just run at each other right away. It's like, you know what I mean? None of the feeling out yeah. process. No, nobody, no, no grab a hold kid. It's like, bing, 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 and then they just start fighting. And then they just fight for 11 minutes. Awesome. Yeah. Just, yeah, the way Fujiwara is projecting, it is like, it's top 
level stuff like and he's got that it incredible thing. yeah, yeah. He's, he's got that like you you don't know it and then you see it and you're like oh yeah that that's what it is like what it is like it's impossible it's it's really hard to define it it's one of those like you have to see it to to know it and you watch Fujiwara and you're like oh yeah okay that's it like he's got it like this guy's only been wrestling for for you know five months now and he knows exactly what to do knows how to emote knows how to carry himself in the ring I mean he carries himself in the ring like he's like a seven-year veteran at this point it's 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 wild it's unbelievable like the uh open the voice gate guys like they've been going crazy about this guy for a while SB Kento, they were going crazy about him in his rookie year, and then they see him lose rookie of the year to who was it, Pat McAfee or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. If Fujiwara loses rookie of the year to Braun Breaker, like oh, they the, might the award's over. Yeah, stuff. yeah, the award's done. They were like delete the this, award, delete the observer. We're done. And Braun Breaker's like he's good, but like this guy, he's he looks to be good in like a outside of the WWE system kind of way, which, like... Yeah, without the training wheels. A, I mean, I, right. I really... I mean, you watch this match, and there are no, like... There's not... It, it, I mean, he's not even doing, like, you know... It's not even, like, a Young Lion thing, either, like, in New Japan, where you could see, like, oh, wow, you know, Yo and Show, those guys are really good, even though all they're doing is doing Boston Crabs and Chops or whatever and stuff. But you can at least see, okay, these guys got the building blocks or whatever. They basically said, hey, dude, just go and fucking wrestle, man. <laughs> like, just go do your thing. Do whatever you got to do. Go ahead. And, like, yeah, there's no training wheels. There's nothing. Braun Breaker's good. But he's good at that style. He's good at doing what they want him to do. They're good. He's good at the rehearse matches. He's good at the basic stuff like this. This is a guy who is just being fed to the wolves and saying, hey, go. And is just dominating already. You know what I mean? Like, dominating already. And, and you know, any sort of doubt that they have that this guy's got it and knows what he's doing is, is I mean, that now it's like, okay. You got it. You know what you're doing. You, you, we we don't need to have any kid gloves on you. You're ready to go now. And yeah, Sky is absolutely the limit for him. If you showed this match to somebody, like without telling them that Fujiwara has only been wrestling for five months, they wouldn't notice. Oh no! Like they wouldn't be able to tell, and it's like it only makes it more crazy that he's doing it, that he's doing matches like this this early, and it makes you wonder, hey. Year from now, two years from now, how's he gonna look if he doesn't sign with NXT UK? You know, <laughs> right? <Okay. laughs> oh man, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, open the Braviate, as we said, that is available for free on their YouTube. So make sure you go and check that out. Uh, then uh, the night one had a, a bunch of other matches. Like again, the undercard was was pretty damn good uh, with a lot of really good stuff. But the standout uh, then that we're gonna talk about here uh, is the main event. Open the Triangle Gate match. It was the Gold Class, one of the new units. Uh, and Dragon Gate, which is uh, Kaito Ishida, Kota Minora, and Naruki Doi, defeating the Natural Vibes team of Jackie Funky Kamea, KZ, and UT uh, to win the Open the Triangle Gate titles. And this, I mean, this was classic Dragon Gate here, man. This was just 14 minutes. Again, oh, man. 14 minutes. My my heart is just thank you guys. 14 for, minute main event. This is God. all I want. This is what's wrestling. This is what I want, guys. This is why my heart is beating. You know, if you can't hear that, that is my heart beating out of my chest for them not doing 45 fucking minutes here and just deciding, hey, 15 minutes, go out there and do a bunch of sh- cool shit for 15 minutes and then get out of there. And, and 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 that's exactly what they did here. I mean, the bell rang, and just like that Dragon Daya Fujiwara, bell rang, and then the just guys just did stuff for 15 minutes, and everybody did their role perfectly. I, I thought this was tremendous, tremendous stuff as well. What did you think of Open the Triangle Gate? I thought this match was great. I went four and a quarter on it. I am a big fan of college recruiter Naruki Doi doing everything in his power to get 
five-star recruit Kota Minora in his circle, get him in the team. They got their they got him a mascot. They got Minorita. Like they got <laughs> he's just a short guy. Like he's not even like a mini. He's just like I think he's the same height as like Jackie Funky Kamei. But they're just like, hey, cut your hair like this and stand next to Menorah. There you go. And it's just like it's awesome. I love this unit. I love that they're they exist to get more women in the building. Like, I love it. I love gold class. I love that they took the gold from high end. Did you see that? Yeah, they just said, hey, we're going to wear gold. Colors and, red. Yeah, it's like, uh, we have gold. They're like, nah, we're going to take it. And then they took it. <laughs> they have it yeah. now. Yeah. They beat them at Cork and Hall in their <laughs> debut. And now they just took their color. Right, right. And, like, this match is awesome. It was centered around the young guys. Like, Jay was, uh, Dragon Gate Jay was on commentary with Ho Ho Loon, best uh, English commentary in Japan. Oh, Sorry, Kevin team. Kelly. Great team. Yeah. Maybe not the best, but they're very fun. And um, he was explaining how Natural Vibe, like KZ, uh, Horiguchi, and Susumu had been Triangle Gate champs before, uh, but then they recently had a tournament for the vacant titles. And KZ specifically chose UT and Jackie Funky Kamei, the young vibes, because like he saw the potential in them. They won two matches in a day and they won the tournament. And now, you know, they're here taking on this u- new unit with 23-year-old Kota Minora as the centerpiece. You know, Kaito Ishida isn't that much older. Like, and it's just it's really cool to just see them let these young guys go out there and like earn these main events and like yeah. ball out. And that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. Like, and one thing I also like is the older generation. Like we saw it with Yoshino last year. We're seeing it with Kness. Now they're passing like their signature moves down to the new guys. Cause Jackie Funky command this match. He did the Torbellino from Yoshino. And then, uh UT, he did the rolling cradle that Kness gave him recently. So it's that's just another cool way of connecting like the older generation of wrestlers and fans to this newer generation of guys that are just coming up now and kind of like giving people that, you know, connection to these guys. And I think I just think that's a really smart thing from uh for Dragon Gate to do. But yeah, this match was it was excellent. It was Dragon Gate Trio's action. Like, it's what you think of when you think of Dragon Gate Triangle Gate match. It was just, yes, yeah, so great. So great. I loved it. Yeah, and it's something that I really, I, I've noticed recently with Dragon Gate, because there was a while there where the Dragon Gate style felt like it was kind of slowing down a little bit. And I think that was mostly because the, the card was either like, unproven young guys that weren't quite confident yet. And then it was a mixture of like kind of the older guys still kind of holding on their spots a little bit, not necessarily in like a Hulk Hogan way, but it's just like, well, we don't really have anybody to replace you. Whereas now, like you said, like you watch these shows, like the speed is back. The intensity is back. 
Uh, this match felt like it could have been easily been from 2005 Dragon Gate. It was just like bell rang and everybody just did stuff. You know what I mean? Like just crazy, crazy stuff. And the older guys, like you said, are either passing stuff along or they're like the sixth most, most important guy in a match. I mean, the same thing happened with High End where you had Yamato in, in, in that match and he's like not that important in that match. You know what I mean? He's kind of like the second or third guy. And in this case, Naruki Doi is in this match and like, Naruki Doi can't do what Naruki Doi did in 2005, but that's fine because all these other guys are great now. Ishida's great. Minoru's great. Uh, 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 Kamei's great. KZ's awesome. UT's great. Like, so you didn't need Naruki Doi to be peak Naruki Doi, and that, I think, finally, Dragon Gate has crossed that threshold where all these young guys are so good now and so much ready, and they have the confidence now to actually do what they want to do. So, like, yeah, things just, like, it, it all feels so much better now. Uh, in Dragon Gate, and it feels like we're finally back to that style that 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 made Dragon Gate Dragon Gate, and and, and this match is a a great representation of that. Yeah, Iron Mike Spears brought up a point on the uh, Voice Gate. It was a few weeks ago, but he basically said, like, think about like project out New Japan five years from now, project out Noah from five years from now. Good God, try to. It'll be mm-hmm. it'll be Muto's corpse pinning. Uh, who's he always pin? Uh, Kaito, uh, uh, Kaito, uh, Kaito Kiyomiya. Kiyomiya. Yeah, yeah. Kaito Kiyomiya. It'll be Muto's corpse pinning him. And um, now project out Dragon Gate five years from now. And like Dragon Gate looks like they're in a lot better shape. I mean, who's the last young lion to really hit in uh, New Japan proper? Like. They're either in America doing it or they're, you know, still in black trunks, black tights. Like, And it, it totally Gate, feels yeah. like you've, you've cycled through now. You take, like I said, the beginning of, the, of Pandemic Dragon Gate to this Dragon Gate. It feels totally different. It's not just because of the, the units or whatever, because that's a natural thing that happens at Dragon Gate. But, like, the roster itself just feels entirely different. Like, a, a, a lot of the guys, a lot of those older guys are just not that prominent they're not that important and everybody that's replaced them is like all these like tremendous tremendous wrestlers in sense like so it's 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 pretty wild right now so yeah it is a very fun time to be a dragon gate fan a very exciting time uh to be a fan of the company but let's get into night two here real quick uh they had the open the twin gates and the open the dream gate title matches they had other stuff on the uh, the, the undercard uh, as well including the return of genki horiguchi on commentary which is always incredible because hoho lun was in the second match on the night uh, so he found out when he was on commentary. And Jay <laughs> yeah. had to tell him, like, hey, shouldn't you he's get like, ready? oh, really? And he's like, yeah, you're on tomorrow. And he's like, oh, OK. <laughs> like, it's, incredible. it's the oh, God, the, the 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 interplay between these guys is just the best. So, yeah, you had uh, the return of Genki Horiguchi, who, God bless him, doesn't know that much English. But, man, he's excited about wrestling. So that's all that matters. Yeah. He just goes, ah, yeah. <laughs> and I love it. It's so great. Like you can't, you can't help but get excited. You're like, hell yeah, Kiki Horiguchi's happy, so I'm happy about it. So yeah, uh, he knows enough English to get by. But uh, yeah, I don't think he. The interplay between, like, Jay says something and he doesn't really respond to him. He just kind of says words. It's it's incredible. So uh, it's pretty good stuff here. But um, a ho ho getting the win, match number two, big win for a ho ho yeah. yeah, some momentum building for uh for for ho ho. So him and Mochizuki beating uh <laughs> beating up on uh Ryu Fuda and Shuji Kondo. Yeah, that's a that's there a you go. Hell of a team, ho ho Masachi Mochizuki. So, uh, but uh, yeah. So and by the way, you had a lot of fun stuff on these shows. Yeah, Garukin Mask uh, was on these shows. Uh, we should say on the undercards, and then you also had um a lot of stuff with uh, Jason Lee, the big story in Dragon Gate right now. Uh, is everybody? Jason Lee is the the free agent. He's not in any single unit right now, so every single unit is trying to impress 
uh, themselves to uh, Jason Lee so they could say, hey, join our unit. So they're all trying to do stuff and get him stuff and shake his hands and say hi and all that sort of stuff. With that. Well, every unit except uh, Z-Brats where Shun Skywalker is continually negging him. Yes. He's just... Shun Skywalker's a maniac and it rules. It's awesome. Like, he's yeah. just... Like, everybody was coming out to, like, try and recruit uh, Jason and Shun Skywalker's just there like, no one wants you... No one's coming to save you. Like he's talking over people. Like right, right, no one's right. coming to save you. No one cares about you. You're yeah, mine. You're not that good. Nobody wants you. And there's like 20 other guys waiting to shake his hand and say hi to him. So it's uh, yeah. no one's coming to save you as someone pulls him off of Jason Lee. Like yeah. it's so fun. Like like this guy was just a babyface world champion last year, and now he's just a complete psychopath. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah, some great character work going on uh, as well. And again, like Absolutely. listening on English commentary, if you're kind of new to Dragon Gate, will help you kind of color in, you know, fill in the gaps there if you're not quite sure uh, exactly what's going on. But I, I think you could pretty much get it uh, from the, the Japanese commentary no matter what, but the English commentary is very, very good. So Yeah, Jay's uh, very good at filling in the gaps. Right, and, and with Dragon Gate, that is important. If, if, if not for Jay, like... Even when we only had it in Japanese, we were Jay was helping us with iHeartDG.com, like translating the right. stuff. Um, so we we've been using Jay to figure out what's going on in Dragon Gate for for decades now. So why not continue doing that? So uh, open the Twin Gate. We had a three way here, so it was originally going to be Dragon Daya and, and and Yuki Yoshiaka, who are the champions defending against the Zebrat team of Hayo uh, and SB Kento, but. Eita and Yusuke Santa Maria, they are a new team. They have, Eita has finally embraced Yusuke Santa Maria in a very, uh, there are a lot of very strange segments over the last few weeks uh, between those two. And uh, we had a weird one where they had a, a, there was a rope and there was a lot of punishment. And yeah, it, it got a little weird uh, in Dragon for a little bit there. But Eita and Yusuke Santa Maria are now uh, uh, officially, uh, Eita is a believer now and saying, all right, all right, fine. I'm actually going to team with you now. I'm actually going to do stuff. Because for a while, Eita would just let Yusuke Santa Maria get beat and, and lose and didn't really care. Uh, but now he cares a little bit. So they were entered into this match as well. They did not win this match, but uh, this was another great title match here. Uh, the Dragon Die Yushioka team. Does keep their titles, so uh, they are still the Twin Gate champions. But this was, uh, this is again, classic Twin Gate. Just a lot of shit happening, a lot of really good moves, a lot of really good work. And again, it just it, it reinforces the young wrestlers. Yoshiaka young. Dragon Daya young. SP Kento super young. Uh, you know, it just, it's just nuts. Yeah, they're, they're just insane. Kyo's like 25. Yeah, right. He's like One not quote-unquote young, and he's 25. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. Like, yeah, I'm like not counting him because he's 25. You know what I mean? It's like, it's insane. Uh, I sorry, I just got distracted. I got the ACC tournament on. Um, apparently, Virginia only scored 13 points in 20 minutes of basketball. Oof. So, Ugh. not great. <laughs> not looking good for the uh, the Cavaliers. Like the they're they're not they're Cavaliers. not winning the title again. They're not winning that's, the title again. I guess. Yeah, that's so. Virginia Tech. Um, but yeah, um, we were talking about the Twin Gate match, yeah. and yes. It was very good. Unfortunately, like as soon as Maria pinned, I think it was uh, Kento. As soon as she got that pin, I got interrupted by something. So I essentially had to watch the two falls like separately, which like broke up the flow of the match for me. But it was still like I could still tell it was like a really great match. Like the ramp up to that first elimination was great, and. You know, then you had the final fall with uh, D Courage, which is Dai and Yoshioka's team name. 
um, they get the win over Aita and Maria. I think, you know, it was a really good match. This was like a nice, I don't know if it's like a turning point, but this is basically like, if you watch Dragon Gate like earlier this year, that first Cork and Hall is where like all of this splintered off from because you had Red there. They like they kick Ata out, and then Dragon Daya comes in. He beats SB Kento for the uh, Brave Gate, and then the next night Yoshioka helps Daya win the Twin Gate from him too. So it's like all been building up to like this three way match here, and. Like they, like they all came together, and it was a really good match. And I wish I watched it all like in one go because I feel like I would have been really high on it. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of have similar thoughts. Maybe, maybe it's just maybe how we because I kind of watched it the same way as you did. I kind of broke it up a little bit. It, it uh, for whatever reason, I, I forget what happened, or I got distracted by something, or I went back to it. And yeah, because there's a lot of people that are like, "Holy shit, this is like an incredible like match of the year contender stuff." And I'm like, I liked it. I, I think I liked the Brave Gate on night one a little bit more, and I think I liked the Triangle Gate uh, on night one a little bit more as well. So, uh, it, with that being said, I mean this was still a really really good match. But yeah, I didn't get the same vibes that some other people got. Uh, with this match, so I do want to maybe try to watch it again to see, okay, maybe is it better if I just watch the whole thing or did I miss something or did something, you know, kind of not hit me on the same level, uh, you know, and why did it not hit me on the same level that hit some other people there? But, uh, yeah, still still a tremendous, tremendous match. Uh, and then the final title match that we had for the weekend uh, was Open the Dream Gate. Uh, Kai defe- uh, defeating Big Boss Shimizu. And uh, I thought this way, way, way exceeded my expectations. I was, I, I've not been into Kai uh, really ever, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, Big Boss Shimizu, there's times where I love Shimizu, and there's sometimes where I'm just kind of rolling my eyes about him. And and there's been a lot of that in Dragon Gate lately with Shimizu. But I thought he delivered here. I thought he stepped up. And I thought Kai was really good in this match too. I mean, it wasn't worked in the same like insane wild style uh, of most other Dragon Gate stuff, but with 18 minutes, they didn't fuck around too much. They they kind of got through the work. They kind of did what they were going to do, and 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 yeah, I uh, I I thought it over delivered. I kind of liked it better than the Twin Gate, honestly. Uh, I went four stars on it. I really liked it. I thought the story was really simple. Shimizu had beaten Kai uh, three times leading up to the show. He had beaten him with the shot put slam. He beat him with the La Maestral Cradle, which he got from when he was the uh, Ultimo Dragon cosplay when he was doing that. Yeah. So, and basically they just ran through, like, Kai survived the Maestral. He took the big boss press, kicked out. But uh, Shimizu was never able to hit that shot, put slam. And Kai just caught him with a roll-up, which has kind of been his thing during this title run, where it's like he disrespects... He disrespects people who do uh, roll-ups because he doesn't call those real wins. But both of his title defenses, he won with the, uh, uh, was it the Gnosuke Clutch or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. He gets him with a roll-up, and then he gets out of there. So it's like, yeah, like, you could see uh, Shimizu coming back and, like, maybe winning King of Gate or maybe just getting another shot at Kai and getting that win. But as far as this match goes, I thought it was very good. I went notebook on it because, like, it wasn't like, like you said, it wasn't the Dragon Gate like frenetic pace, but it was still like a good match with a simple story that 
when you got to the end, you felt like really good about what you watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's and again, there, there's a way where they could have done this match where I would not. I mean, they could have went 35 minutes and ended the way they did. But again, I like that they you know, and this this entire show was that way where they you know every every match is under 10 you know under 20 minutes. Uh, both title matches, you know, about 16 minutes for the Twin Gate, 18 minutes for the Dream Gate, and I think that really is 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 has been a good move by Dragon Gate to keep things at least a little lighter uh, in in terms of stuff, and especially if you're going to do this Kai, you know, kind of chicken shit types of wins or whatever. Which again, in a good way, I, I say it in a good way, like it's good to not have us wait 35 minutes to do the chicken shit thing. Do it in 19 minutes, uh, and, and 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 you know have. So pretty consistent action throughout that twenty minutes. So um, yeah, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great uh, a way to cap off the weekend, and and yeah, tremendous stuff. So if you want a, a more detailed review of, of Champion Gate, as we said, open the Voice Gate uh, in audio form would be a great place for that. Also, written reviews up at uh, VoicesOfWrestling dot com as well. If you wanted yeah. to um, uh, check those out, but if you want every other match and details and all that, but yeah, it's great, great weekend, and 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 I will definitely be keeping an eye on Dragon Gate moving forward. Fun times coming up. They got King of Gate coming, I think, mm-hmm. in May. They got a, what was it, a, a Toriumon reunion. They're doing another one of those coming up, too. Yeah, fun times coming up for Dragon Gate. Yeah, we just need we just need cheering again, and then I'm, I'm, really, I'm really all the way in again. But uh, hopefully, hopefully very Let's soon. Hope. Yeah, hope. God, Let's... we need that. God, we need it bad. But, uh, oh, anyway. man. All right, let us get to, oh, actually, I forgot. I got music for this. You won't be able to hear the music suit, but I forget. We used to have an intro for the Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. So All right. new listeners are going to get this, and I will introduce this segment. So here, one moment. Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. Come on, really? Yes, it's Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. The very took us a lot of time. Like the Powerbomb Pizza guys, we spent a lot of time coming up with the name of how. What do we call this segment where we recommend matches to each other? And we stumbled upon Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other. So it ended up working out pretty well. Uh, playing the role of Joe is going to be Suit Williams here. And if you are not familiar with this segment, essentially what it was is uh, Joe and I would recommend matches to each other, and then we'd watch those matches and then talk about them. So that is what we're going to do here on this uh, flagship to end this uh, week's episode. So I always tell people, when, and, and Joe, when we would do this before, we would never say why we picked a match. We would say, hey, here's my match. You would watch it. You'd review it. You could try to guess, hey, was there any significance to this? Was it just you sending me a cool match? Like, what is the purpose of it? And it would change. Like, sometimes there was a theme to the things we picked. Sometimes there was a reason for the thing we picked. Sometimes there was, like, a, uh, you know, relevant to a time period or whatever. Or sometimes we just said, hey, here's cool matches and and watch those. So this is something we did a lot uh, in uh, the flagship a couple years ago. But obviously wrestling has gotten insane over the last few years. AEW has existed. So we're no longer doing you know, as many just kind of segments like this, but I thought it'd be a great opportunity for people that are, you know, unaware of suit and your taste in wrestling to, you know, understand, you know, why you picked these matches, what you thought of the matches we did or whatever, all that sort of stuff. So uh, do you have an order you want to go in? As I mentioned, suit, your picks are Raven and Goldberg, April 20th, 1998 from Nitro and Ric Flair versus Vader from Starcade of 1993. And my two picks were Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne from TakeOver Chicago and then the ECW barely legal six man tag: Great Sasuke, Grand Hamada, Masato Yakashiji versus Takamichinoku, Terry Boy, and Dick Togo from uh, Barely Legal in 1997. As I said, um, you know what? You're the guest. What's what match do you want to talk about first? We'll start with you. 
Uh, let's start with the Goldberg Raven match. Ah, yes. Okay. So I so told you when you sent me this yeah. match, I could do three hours on this match alone, and uh, we're gonna do that. So all right, strap in, <laughs> set your time. Let's go. Hopefully, we're trying to go to bed anytime soon. We're gonna do three <laughs> hours uh, on this, but uh, no, uh, it's um great match. I'm so glad you recommended this one. One of my favorite matches uh, of all time. So I'll give my thoughts real quick, and then then you can give your thoughts. But um, yeah. you know this. I guess I don't know the significance of why you chose this one, but I don't really care because it fucking rules. Like, I don't, you know, there's no real significance. I think it's just a match you should just watch every so often because it is well, well worth your time. I mean, this, to give you an idea, we, we were talking about Fujiwara there in Dragon Gate and how, you know, he just started wrestling in November and now he's already a bona fide star. Goldberg, I mean, this guy is five months into his career and is the biggest star on this entire show on Nitro. I mean, just the idea that this match is coming up has fans jumping up and down. Before anybody comes out, before anything happens, Michael Buffer's in the ring and people are jumping up and down because they know Goldberg is coming and we're going to be able to see him. And he is way more over than Sting at this point. He's way more over than Hulk. He's way more over than Kevin Nash. He's way more over than all these guys. And we're in April, man. (laughs) Like He's only started a little bit ago. And the best part about this too, the best part about the Goldberg thing is that at this time, you have guys like Vince Russo and you have other guys telling you, oh, bro, nobody cares about wins and losses. Nobody cares about titles. Nobody cares. You know, you got to talk. Everybody cares about this stuff and this thing and this thing and that thing. And here's a guy who doesn't talk, doesn't cut promos, wears black trunks. He's bald and all he does is win all of his matches. And now he's going to win a title and that has people very excited about that. So those idiots who will tell you, oh, none of that shit matters are lying because a guy is becoming the biggest star ever with all that stuff mattering. So yeah, uh, obvious right there, but uh, yeah, it, it is, it is pretty incredible. And, and yeah, like I mentioned the crowd jumping up and down at the very mention of Goldberg coming. And then he appears and the roof blows off this place and, and, and suits. Uh, did you catch what, how Michael Buffer introduced Goldberg in this match? Let's see, he did leave to go pee. There it is. This is what we were not supposed to do. But anyway. I muted myself oh. when I meant to unmute myself. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. See, I was like, I'll see. He did. He, he told, <laughs> he's right. That's why he peed in the bottle. He's right. No, but um, did you catch how Michael Buffer introduced Goldberg in this match? I could tell it to you from memory. He Go goes, ahead. So Goldberg comes out. Do you have a good Pyro Michael Buffer voice, uh, voice or no? I can't do impressions. Oh. I can't do impression. I, I can't do a Michael Buffer. If I could, I'd be a lot richer than I am right now. So, <laughs> being a lot more lawsuits too. Yeah, probably I'd also like probably that. get sued, but that's all right. He goes. His height, um, his hometown unknown. His <laughs> weight unknown. His professional record, we all know. 74 wins without a defeat. Oh, it's the like, best. A hometown unknown. No, we are well aware of his hometown. They've been telling us for months on end that this man played in the NFL and he's from Atlanta. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, we know I that. like the weight unknown. The weight unknown. Part. Like, how can we possibly weigh this man? <laughs> you try to tell this guy we have to stop and weigh him. There's no scales in the arena, and we're not going to stop him to ask. I, I love it. Like, he's like, oh, height un- <laughs> hometown unknown weight Unknown. It's just oh my god, it's incredible. It's it's but the professional record we all knew. We all know it. And yeah, they're right. Seventy four and O and and, it's and on yeah. Signs everywhere. It's like like I said, literally god. men, grown men leaping up and down in the air just by the idea that Goldberg is going to come out. 
Like they know they Raven comes out and they know the next man out is going to be Goldberg and they're jumping up and down at the anticipation of him coming out. It is unbelievable what Goldberg was like in April of 1998. And if you weren't around, uh, go watch this and you'll just see. Like you don't have to be around to realize how much of a thing this was. And then this match rules. This match is awesome. And and uh, soon I'll give you a chance to talk about you know the match here. But like th- to me. It's a decently competitive match, which you needed to do with Goldberg from time to time. You couldn't just have him run through everybody. He had to have competitive matches against somebody. But to me, what, what, what really stood out about this match and what I love most about this, and one of the things that I've always loved about this match going back and rewatching it, is it's a great example of using interference in a positive way. Using that, that Nitro fans are so used to interference ruining a match. Every time guys would come out in the main event, it'd be a DQ, the referee would throw the, the, the match out or whatever, but this is Raven's rules. There is no DQ. You can't throw the match out. It's got to happen. But people still expect, ah, shit, there's interference. They're going to they're gonna screw Goldberg. They're going to screw Goldberg out of this match or whatever. And little by little, you hear the crowd kind of, the air gets sucked out of the crowd as they realize, ah, fuck, it's another interference match or whatever. But then little by little, they start realizing as he takes out each member of the flock. And he does, he throws Kidman out like he's a sack of potatoes. And he, 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 he spears hammer and he does. And little by little, they're like, oh. Oh, oh, and then they reinflates. The whole crowd just reinflates because they realize he's gonna do it. He's gonna beat all these guys, and he's gonna still get at Raven. And then he does the the, the jackknife to Reese, who's like seven feet tall, and it's awesome. It's so so cool. And then again, you realize they take the air out of everybody again when Raven's running out. He's decided, fuck this. I'm gonna just leave through the crowd. I'm out of here. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm 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 done with this match. But then. The crowd gets back up again because the fans start grabbing at Raven and throwing him back. And when they throw him back and Raven gets back in the ring, the crowd just explodes knowing, okay, he beat everybody, all of his goons. He couldn't run away. That's it. It's over, man. He's going to win this match. And then, yeah, he puts away Raven, wins the title. Every single person in the, in, in the entire building is jumping up and down and screaming. The pop is insane. It is Man, one of my all-time favorite matches. I'm so glad you picked this one because I haven't watched it in a couple years. And it's something I probably should just watch every single year. Every 420, I should uh, instead of engaging in the in the wacky debate, I should just go watch this match instead. So, uh, this was the night after Spring Stampede. Uh, Raven had just won the title the night before. Like, I think they were doing an angle where like Raven had stole the belt and then he won it the night before, and now he's defending it. It's Raven's rules. He can have all his guys interfere. It's no DQ, and Goldberg comes out. This crowd's red hot, and, like, they wrestle for, like, a couple minutes. Like, this match is only five minutes long, by the way. Like, it's not, like, like, it's not, like, a long TV match. It's just, like, it's ten minutes entrances to exit. But they wrestle for, like, I think it's, like, two minutes. And then Raven, like, drives Goldberg in the corner, and he starts throwing punches. And Goldberg, like, shakes his head, and it's like he wakes up. And the crowd like starts buzzing, and Raven hits him again, and then he hits him again. Goldberg's no selling. Raven hits the ropes. Goldberg cuts him in half. He kills him with a spear, <laughs> and you see people in the crowd leaping off of their seats. They are just like they are all in on Goldberg, and 
then you get the interference and he just fights everybody off. He like one of the guys hits him with a stop sign. And then <laughs> he, he staggers. Like, yeah, he staggers for a bit and then shakes it off. Like, and okay. then the guy turns around, he spears him too. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. I think it was horror. I think it was Horace, if I remember correctly, that hits him with a stop sign and it was just great. Yeah. I, I likened it to um and I forget, were you in the building for Gargano and Cole uh take over New York? I know you were in the no. in, in the area. Okay. So um that was a match again that reminded me a lot of this one where like Cole and Gargano, they're having their match. They're going back and forth or whatever. But then Red Dragon or whatever, Undisputed Era come out. And the the crowd's like, oh, man, like these guys are going to come out. And then one by one, Gargano takes both those guys out. And like as he's doing that, everybody gets back up and goes, oh, my God, he's going to do it. He fought off the guys. And like it's a great – I mean, interference in wrestling is so overdone and so done to death. But when you do it in a situation like this, and they did it with this Goldberg match too, and you do it in a way where the babyface overcomes the interference – there's nothing else like it, man. There's, I mean, you can't get that kind of visceral reaction where the fans think they're going to get fucked over yet again, and then they realize, oh, no, they're going to do it. Hell yes. And it's like you can hear it from this crowd. They know, oh, man, he's going to fight all these guys off, and he's going to win this freaking match, and I cannot wait to see how it happens. And, and it's, uh, like you said, his decimation of the, the Ravens flock is, is, is something else. Yeah, I, I chose this match because it's also one of my favorite matches ever. Like, it's just... Like, it's just right. Like, it's just, like, a perfect match with a guy who's red hot, on his way up. You got to heal everybody does hates anyway. And then he just bulldozes right through him. And it's, like, it's a perfect encapsulation of, like, what Goldberg was and what, like, how to do Goldberg right. Like, if you've got, like, somebody and they're like, I don't get Goldberg, show them this match. And, like, if they don't get it still, then they're just, like, they're thinking too hard. Or yeah. they're just dumb. Or they're wrong. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, it's it's incredible. Like, you, like... It's I so simple, too. I can't put over, like... Yeah. I can't put over, like... There's like a way like the WCW like like a nitro crowd will go crazy. That's like I can't describe how different it is, but it just there's like a specific kind of like roar that you can only get from like a nitro crowd. You hear it here, you could hear it in like a like when Lex Luger wins the title from Hogan on that nitro. You get that too where people are like jumping up and down, throwing popcorn like going crazy and it's just a feeling that this match gives me that i'm just like it makes me like love wrestling so much like this is how you do it like when it's right it feels like this and it's like just ah it's excellent it's It's excellent suit this company would go out of business like three years later how does a company that could book this match so perfectly go out of business like three years later how how do they because not watch they this like, and just say, okay, had, we got it. <laughs> like, we get it. Because they had, like, six different bookers oh, by the time they went God. out. And one of them was Kevin Nash. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. He yep. just so happened to be the guy who beat Goldberg. Weird. How about that? Weird how that works. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, but you said it's everything that's right with wrestling. I mean, it, it's it's the most simple thing. It's a match that I think you can show to anybody. You can show it to a non-wrestling fan as well. And if they just need to understand why you like wrestling – 
you just show them this match and say, this is it. Like, the, like how do you not... Because you're going to get caught up in this. You're going to get caught up in There's no way not to. I know what the result is. I've watched this match a hundred times in my life, and I'm still like, yeah, yeah. You know, when, when Horus, when he, when, he, when he spears Horus after the, the stop sign shot, how are you not like, yeah, let's go, Goldberg. It's incredible. Yeah. It brings me back to his, a, a kid and just remembering watching this and just being like, holy crap. This is just the greatest thing ever. And, and yeah, it, it's... The Goldberg thing is so simple. Like I said, you have you know people telling you until they're blue in the face that oh nobody cares about wins and losses, they don't matter, titles don't matter. You know he's got to cut a good promo, he's got to do this, he's got to do that. Here's a ball guy in black trunks who never talks and just beats everybody, and he's the most over guy in five months. It's like dummies. But uh, anyway, all right, let's uh, let's get to uh, any or sorry, anything else on on Goldberg and Raven? Uh, nothing else on that. Just. An excellent match. If you want to find it on the Peacock, um, I didn't. Oh, I was gonna do a bit where like oh I the up like yeah the season. Peacock. Let's see, let's see. I can probably I I have uh, I've become pretty good at uh, finding Peacock seasons here. So let's see here. I gotta. So it's ninety eight. What year did Nitro start? Ninety five. So... so would that be season three or season four? <sighs> I will tell you in a moment when I try to. Yeah, I searched yeah. for Nitro and it did not come up immediately, which is not. I, okay, there it is. Okay. All right. There I got it on my PS5. Season four, episode. <laughs> season four, episode April. 16. Season there four, episode 16. You'll see a, a thumbnail of Chris Jericho in the ring with a picture of Dean Malenko, and that's how you need to know. So, Or you could just watch it on YouTube like we do. Yes, which is much easier, too. Oh, kind of original the, music and everything. The following episode, April 27, 1998, has uh, the thumbnail is the Nitro Girls and Alex Wright dancing, which I think I'm just going to watch that episode because that sounds incredible. So, that. <laughs> that sounds great. That looks like fun. Yeah, yeah, Alex Wright and the Nitro Girls. I'm in. So um, so there you go. That is that episode. Yeah, just incredible, incredible stuff there uh, from that. All right, so I will go to uh, my first match here. Uh, this is a pick uh, related. Hold on, Rich. Uh-oh. Hold on, I did. We've got some breaking news here. Uh-oh, what do you got? From Fightful. Matt Hardy confirms that he has extended his contract with AEW. Yay. (laughs) Are you doing that? You're doing the hardest thing right now, right? Yeah. You got to. Yeah. How could you not? (laughs) Wearing your fishnet that you're about to take off. Yeah. (laughs) Got to get a pop. (laughs) You're going to do something and then take off your fishnet. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, the pop like when they first were doing it, it was like girls going yeah. Now, like you know, hard, hard, Jeff did it on uh, Dynamite. It's all just dudes going yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it loses a little bit of its love when it's not a bunch of you know women and children screaming. It's just a bunch of you know thirty four year old men going yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, <laughs> take your shirt off, Jeff. Yeah. So anyway, uh, all right. So my first pick was Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne from NXT Takeover Chicago. Uh, and the reason I picked this is while well, it kind of ties into something I did over at flagshippatreon.com, uh, patreon.com slash voice of wrestling this week. Because uh, Tyler Bate turned 25 years old, a very old 25 for Tyler Bate. He turned 25 this week. Uh, so I wrote a little bit about how Tyler Bate felt like he was on top of the world all these years ago. And now it feels like a kind of a lost prodigy, a, a guy who still, yes, he is still 25. Yes, there's still plenty of time in his career, but it really feels like, holy crap, did we miss the boat on this guy? Is this a guy who who was a sure thing that now who knows what he's going to do? I mean, we had to go back. I went back here. This is May 20th, 2017, NXT TakeOver Chicago. 
2017. I mean, so many, many, many years ago here uh, when he felt like he was on top of the world here in this match with Pete Dunne. There's also a secondary reason why I chose this match, uh, but I'll talk about that um, maybe when we when I introduce my second match as well because they, they relate uh, in the sense because my first match kind of dictated how uh, I decided to uh, talk about my second match or, or pick my second match. But what do you think, uh, 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 Suit? Uh, of Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne. Have you seen, do you remember watching this one live? Have you seen this since then? Like what, what's kind of your history in this match? Uh, I remember watching it live. Um, Tyler Bate is four months older than me, which just, uh, yeah, he's four months older than me. And uh, he's out here doing this and I am, well, I'm doing what I'm doing, but uh, yeah, this match was great. <laughs> um, you know, you had like this was like. I think you're still on your top of your game. You know what I mean? Like he he re, he peaked early. Your peak is still coming soon. You know what I mean? Like your 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 peak is still coming. So don't worry. God, I hope it is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't promise that. I'm still waiting to see when my peak's coming. So, but yeah, um, I remember watching this at the time. I remember like I was being I was very familiar with these guys because uh I was reviewing progress at the time for uh Oh right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. PW Ponderings. So I th- I'm pretty sure Dunn was like the progress champ at this point. I've men and blacked out most of my progress memories, but I I looked it up on Cage Match. I think he was champ at this time. So he got some big bruiser weight chance. Um but yeah, as like you talk about it, the match goes on and it's just like this crowd, they go from like being politely into it to being like, oh, this is like an excellent match. Like they are into it, into it. Like there's there's a spot they do where it's like um Bait goes for like a shooting star press and then catches him in a triangle. And just starts throwing punches at Bates' head and like his arm, and the crowd's like super hot. But I know, like, oh, these two haven't even gotten to like the next gear yet. Like, there's more they can do here. And then it's just, yeah, they go out there, they go crazy. You know, you got Pete Dunn doing more joint manipulation than the nurse on a vacation. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Payoff. Wow. How about it? Bam! Yeah, that's good. I'm gonna have to explain that one to her because she's not gonna get what joint manipulation means. But uh, once I explain she, it, she's gonna like that joke a lot. So fantastic! I'm gonna write that down right now so I don't forget. That is wow. Has she ever watched a match that Nigel McGuinness is called? Um, I'm pretty sure he talked about yeah small joint manipulation there. <laughs> that's a good. That's, you said you don't do good impressions. That was not bad. Uh, yeah, no, she probably honestly, if I showed her this match, she would think, well, nah, she might think Tyler Bates hot, but I think she would be disgusted by Pete Dunne and probably just leave the room. But uh, I'd say that's fine. Like, you're not supposed to cheer Pete Dunne. He's supposed to be a disgusting-looking person. You know what I mean? So uh, uh, I don't know if I'd call Tyler Bate hot at this point. He was still doing the curly Q mustache. I, I it guess was a little depends. bit later. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll test that out. I will I will send that to the, the nurse and see. She's a sucker for a good uh, uh, British accent, though. So When he started growing the beard out, that's when Bate was like, <laughs> okay, this guy's hot. <laughs> With the, the hair and the beard, yeah. It got it's all right. We're at a point now where it's like, okay, you're you've gone a little too far. We gotta, we gotta, oh, get yeah, a little, yeah, yeah. We gotta tighten, we gotta get a little, a little clip yeah. here, right? Right, right, right. Uh, you know, honestly, I, I remember this now. She's gonna, she's not gonna think he's hot because he's also like 20 years old at this point, and she's not into like, yeah. you know what I mean? She's gonna be like, he looks like a literal child, so and he, he does, he looks like <laughs> a little, 
little workout. He's a baby that works out or something. You know, what I mean? he just looks like a big old baby that like has abs for some reason. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, this is you know, and, and one of the reasons I chose this match and the reason it's going to kind of lead into my second match is you know, obviously I did the the, the piece about Tyler Bate and his career and where things went wrong and and how things went wrong and how things can still go right for it, but. What I remember most about this match is I was in the building for this. And what was awesome about it is when these guys come out, nobody knows who these people are. These This is a takeover crowd. It's an NXT crowd, but still they don't know who these dudes are. They know they're indie guys. They know they're NXT guys. But you can even hear when they come out. There's a little bit. There's maybe 20 people that chant Bruiserweight. There's a few people that sh- cheer for Tyler Bate, but it's like really the nerds. Like, you know, it's me and the 45 other people that were watching the NXT, you know, UK tournament or whatever, <laughs> the WWE United Kingdom tournament. Like, it was not many people that knew who these guys were. But that then. That demand progress. Yeah, right. Like, you know, yeah, like it's a very few amount of people. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, these guys are, you know, it's very limited the amount of people at this in this building that know who these guys are. But then you see as the match goes on and goes on and goes on and boom and boom, and they start hitting the near falls and hitting the big moves and hitting the, by the time that these guys are done, you know, after I get the length of this match here, uh, 15 minutes, it's only 15 minutes and 20 seconds by about 10 minutes in this crowd is all in. And then by like 14 minutes in this crowd is as loud as they would be the entire night for these two guys that when they came out, they had no idea who these guys were. And in, 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 in both these guys are just stupid young at this point, too. Tyler Bates, 20 years old. I think Pete Dunn's like 25 at this point. They're unfamiliar guys. Nobody knows who they are. They have no, they have nothing working for them. There's none of, none, none of them is like to their benefit. You know what I mean? They have to earn everything they do in this match. And they do, and they bust their ass. And when it's over, they get a standing ovation. And the crowd just goes absolutely, absolutely haywire for this stuff. Just awesome, awesome stuff by these guys. Not even when it's over. Like, the spot was like, Done throwing him up and catching him in like a power bomb, and that's what got the standing ovation. Yeah, oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. They just kept going after that. Like, Bate hit a spiral tap, haven't seen a spiral tap in years. (laughs) Yeah, then, yeah, great match. Like, this was the match that you put on and say, Hey, we're doing a show with guys like this, come watch it. And then, uh, then they got Gallus. Yeah. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get Tyler Bay doing this, and you decide, you know what we're gonna do with this guy? Have him be in an extended feud with Wolfgang. <laughs> like that's the way to do it. It's unbelievable. Um, Have him never win this title again. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of anti-competitive uh, uh, behavior, uh, I did want to note when this match started, more people cheered for Jim Ross being the guest announcer because this is, of course, when. Uh, World of Sport wanted Jim Ross, and WWE decided, hey, uh, all of a sudden, we want to hire you again, Jim Ross, completely unrelated to your uh, uh, job offer that you had uh, with World of Sport. We now want you as a member of our roster, even though we have been trying to get rid of you for the last 20 years. So uh, We Jim love Ross. you, pal. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> we've always loved you. We've That's never tried to hand. fire you the seven times we fired you. The big handshake, the yeah. fake laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, how you doing, pal? <laughs> That's- <laughs> oh god but uh yeah this is just yeah it, it it um just a great man i remember like there are people to this day 
who I have fans or, or people that I know that watch this match or guys I was sitting with this this time that don't follow the UK scene, don't follow NXT UK. And I, I get, they want check-ins like every single month. Hey, what is Tyler Bate doing? Hey, what's Pete Dunn doing? And it's so sad to have to do this to them to the point where I think the last time I was like, you got to just stop asking me about Tyler Bate, man. I don't know. Like, I don't know. He's, he's a witness protection. He's kind of wrestling sometimes still, but, but not really. Uh, Pete Dunn's on NXT. He's fine. You know what I mean? He's okay. But it's like, yeah, this guy keeps asking, like, I'm going to tell him, oh, yeah, Pete Dunn's made of ending WrestleMania. And it's like, I'm like, nah, dude, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to happen, man. <laughs> like, I, I hate to tell you. Uh, I think that's uh, over. He's taking on Tony (laughs) D'Angelo. Right, right. He's he's carrying a guy who's had six professional matches. uh, And Tyler Bates, uh, he's... It has a trophy sometimes. I don't know what to tell you, man, about him. It's just... It's so sad where these guys were at this time. And and, and where they would... You know, where they are now. It's just like, what are we... I mean, this felt like the biggest layup ever. Like, these two dudes were made men after this. And they just... No follow-up whatsoever in America or UK, honestly, for either of these guys. Yeah, and, like, uh, there wasn't any follow-up because, like, you knew there wasn't going to be, like, at least in America, like, at least with, like, the main roster, because who's the guy running it? Yeah. You have Vince McMahon take a look at Tyler Bate. And see how that works out for him. I know. I've always, th- th- with this one friend, I've always said, he's always like, why Why does Vince McMahon not push Tyler Bate? And I said, well, it, I'm really glad that Tyler Bate isn't on the main roster because he would take one look at that guy and put him in like a diaper. You know what I mean? Like he would absolutely <laughs> just be like, Tyler, you're a baby. You're a big baby. You're a big beefy baby. And Tyler Bate would come out with like a sash and a diaper, right? Like, like the problem is like now every time you see Tyler Bate, you're going to think of this because I'm telling you, it's the best pitch ever. It's the exact Vince McMahon pitch is that he would have him come out and go like, "You look like a big baby," and he would come out and he'd have a, he'd have a bassinet on and he'd have a big pacifier, maybe a lolly, maybe a big lolly too, and a big diaper and a sash. And he would come out and he'd be the big baby. I mean, just like you can see it, you can sense it, you can feel Vince McMahon pitching that in the room. Uh, it might be good that I don't watch NXT, so I can't see it. <laughs> Luckily, I think now that he grew the hair and the beard, like he, he's he's free of that. But when he had this little mustache, like you're saying, a little uh, little you know haircut, like there's a good chance he's in a diaper, you know, in a few he weeks. Been so. the boss, baby. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's not the worst pitch. Oh, I mean, it is, but God. it's not. You know, it's it's totally plausible that Vince is in that room tapping his pencil, wondering what the hell he's going to do with this little, you know, five foot seven guy and and yeah, big babies. Five is seven, yeah, yeah. That might be generous, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Who's taller, Layla Hirsch or Tyler Bates? I don't know. It's a, it'd be a, oh, a good boy. competition. Yeah. If they stand on each other's shoulders, could they look at like? Uh, <laughs> right. Could they look at like a? Uh, Who's a somewhat tall guy? Could they look Randy Orton in the eyes? Uh, ooh. If they stood on each other's shoulders. St- I don't think uh, close, close. <laughs> maybe on <laughs> their tippy toes. Yeah, nose. yeah, maybe tippy toes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so just a depressing, depressing match. But you should watch it because it's great and it's fun. If you've never seen it, it's really, really good. Uh, and then you should read my article over at uh, flagshippatreon.com, uh, talking all about uh, Tyler Bates and, and where his yeah. career has gone wrong but uh anyway there, yeah i did I, I wanted to say one more thing there's just an alternate universe where triple h takes over like where he gets the company and we get you know we get nxt on you know we get what we got on nxt we get that on mondays and fridays and all of a sudden the biggest company in the world is fun 
Oh, man. But, it kind of sucks that we aren't there, but, you know. Yep. It also is kind of fun because, you know, karma. Like, <laughs> right. Being, uh, it's kind of just funny to laugh at Triple H. Yeah, it, it kind of is. Yeah, because this is at the peak of, like, NXT beginning their sort of there was the, oh, no, we're all, like, all in this together. Yeah, we're going to help everybody grow. And, like, this is when you can start a sense that the smart people, the smart money was like, oh, you, if you guys don't know what they're doing, like, they're going to kill, like, the independent wrestling and the British wrestling scene in, like, one fell swoop. And, like, this is the playbook. This is, like, Vince McMahon 101 playbook here, and Triple H is just doing it to a T of, no, 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 yeah, we'll feature your talent on our shows. And then when they go to your show, they'll be more popular. <laughs> like, yeah. that didn't happen. Guess what? Yeah, and they did. I mean, Tyler Bate did, like, after this, and Dunn and Bate were in Europe for, like, you know, another year, basically, doing a bunch yeah, of stuff. British, doing stuff. Yeah, British strong style. They yeah. were killing it. They were killing it. And then the second NXT UK started, boom, all that dried up. They were never there again. They were all gone. And, and, and yeah, so it's speaking out, like I always say, was like the plane was already crashing. The plane was already on fire. The engine had already blown off. Speaking out was like the plane finally hitting the ground where it's like, oh, okay, no, yeah. this is over. Like this plane's going to crash. We just don't know when it's going to crash. Maybe we can get the tail up a little bit, but like we need to make an emergency landing. And then speaking out was like, oh, no, we're fucked. And then the whole thing just hit the ground and exploded in a ball fire. So, well. And uh, well, now you got Car Noir, <laughs> you got whatever the hell progress is now. So, um, yeah, good lord, there uh, you go, yay, wrestling. All right, but uh, speaking of good wrestling <laughs> during a, a bad time in a, in a company, uh, Ric Flair versus Vader, Starkey 1993 was your second pick. Uh, Suit, so you want to talk a little bit about that match and, and maybe why you picked it? Because, uh, thank you again for this match, too, because I haven't watched this one in many, many years, and god, it's it's just a Great, great match. Uh, I just picked this match because it's awesome. There it is. Like, Sometimes the theme is it's just awesome. That's all that matters. Um. Oh, is Vader going in the WWE Hall of Fame? Uh, yes, there you I go. There's our theme. That. Yeah, there's your theme. There you Vader, go. WWE Hall of Famer. Yep. Did, is Goldberg already in? I, I don't know. You're asking the I wrong guy. <laughs> uh, yes, let's go with yes. Goldberg, WWE Hall of I feel like he's got to be, right? But I don't remember the speech, though. Did he go in that COVID year? Oh, yeah. Uh, January 15, 2018. Oh. Okay, so he was a class of 2018. Right. So, there you go. Uh, my my theme was recent WWE Hall of Famers. That <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were Hall of Famers when we started. You nailed it, yeah. Uh, I do like that the first result, I like to go Goldberg WWE Hall of Fame as well. So the first result is you know Wikipedia article, and the second result is Goldberg says WWE Hall of Fame ceremony sucks. <laughs> Love it. Incredible. But uh, yeah, talk a little bit about Ric Flair and, uh, and Vader from Starcade 1993. This was awesome. Like, it, uh, the entire package. So, first of all, this was not supposed to be the match. It was supposed oh, to no. be Vader versus <laughs> Sid Vicious. But then a little scissor fight broke out, and so now Ric Flair's here. Yes, one man was uh, sent away, said, uh, yeah, you tried to murder one of our roster members, so we're going to send you away for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, Sid was replaced. Ric Flair in his spot. Yeah, Ric Flair was busy being the uh, international heavyweight champion, uh, wrestling Rick Rude, and uh, he got the call here, and all of a sudden his career is on the line. And so it's career versus title, it's Flair versus Vader, and throughout the show, you have got, 
like the show starts and you get this like career like a life retrospective of rick flair and it starts with hit like pictures of him as a baby and you go through him growing up and then you get to the wrestling career and over the top you've got flair talking and then it cuts in with vader just screaming and just killing jobbers and just hurting everybody and then boom show starts starcade 93 and then throughout the show you got flair you have flair and mean gene okerlund making their way to the building they start at flair's house i think it's his second wife that is with their kids beth and uh, my my Ric Flair marriage count is, uh, and you got to add another one there too. I forget if Beth is, let me try to figure that out. I think you're right that it's the second wife. I thought it was like the older daughter. Like, I don't know what, if Charlotte was like, was the girl Charlotte? Yes. The, li- the little the girl was one? Charlotte. Yeah. Cause the other okay. Megan, who's the oldest daughter, she is pretty old at this point. Like she's as old as David yeah. or like slightly older. And that's from the first marriage. So David and Megan are from the first marriage. Uh, Leslie, I want to say is her name. And then Ashley is from Beth, who I believe is the second marriage, <laughs> but there may have been one in between, but I think it's the second one. And yeah, that's Reed and Ashley. Obviously Charlotte is, is from Beth. All right. So, they're in the house. They've got like, there's uh David, there's Charlotte, and then there's the blonde woman. I thought it was his daughter until they got to the door, and I realized, oh, that's his wife. Yeah, they shared quite okay. the moment. So yeah, hopefully it's yeah. just his his wife. So, so they, you know, Rick and Gene are just they're talking about like how important this is to them. They get in the limo, and then they're going on their way to the show. As the show's happening, by the way, I, you know, hope they don't hit traffic or anything. Well, they had a police but, escort. If you can see from yo, the background, you can see the police oh, yeah, escort. They did. Yeah, so they did. No traffic for them. But yeah, it's just, they're building this up. They're in Charlotte, North Carolina, by the way. This would be weird if they were in Baton Rouge, but they're in Charlotte, in his hometown, and they're just building this up as... You know, this could be it for Ric Flair in 1993. But, um, yeah, they get there, you know, and then match starts. Well, entrances happen. Vader comes out first, and then Ric Flair comes out, and this crowd goes insane for Flair. They love Flair. He's their guy. He's walking out. He's got the robe. His hair is grown out again. Like, he's all the way back. And then then Vader beats him up for, like, ten yeah, minutes. Then Vader beats an old man up for, yes. <laughs> for, for like, just destroy. I mean, Flair is bloodied and battered and just, yeah. It, it's And, and to kind of you know, give context of 1993 WCW, I mean, it is a disaster there right now. I mean, you're going through a bunch of different change. Flair had left, obviously, in, in a couple years prior. He's back now. The titles are all weird. You have the international title. You have the main event is supposed to be the coronation of Sid Vicious. He's fired because he tried to murder somebody. Like, it's just insane. Like, a lot of stuff is going on. But essentially what they decided to do is, you know what, fuck it. Let's just honor Ric Flair and let's just have it be, hey, after all the years of the ups and downs with Ric Flair, and yeah, you may have booed him before, and yeah, he may have been in the horseman before, we're just going to embrace this guy and celebrate Ric Flair in his hometown, in Charlotte, in WCW. He's going to win our main title. 
or he's going to put his career or he's going to retire when that, when those things actually mattered and people did actually believe them. And, and that leads to, like you said, this, this just crazy crowd. That's just from the moment flair comes out is like, we're celebrating this man's career. And if he wins, it's going to be the greatest day of our lives. And if he loses, you know what? We're still going to celebrate the hell out of his career. And if he leaves, we're going to be there and, 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 you know, wish him well in his, in his retirement, but we're going to still be all in on this guy. I mean, it's like, it felt like, yeah, they may have been disappointed when he lost, but this was all about celebrating the life and the career of Ric Flair from, from beginning to end, really. And another fun thing, seconding Vader, Harley Race, the guy Flair beat mm-hmm. at that first Starcade in the yep. cage. And then, you know, you got Race getting his shots in, you know, helping out Vader. He's barking at Flair like, you Hit him in the face! Hit him in the face! Yes, yes for this, Flair! Right. Yeah, you had it coming, Flair! That's the best. Oh, God, it's like, gross. And then, at like, there's a point where Flair's just got blood in his mouth. He has been beaten up by this guy for, like, t- 10, 12 minutes. And he, like, a switch flips. And he just starts swinging. He just starts punching Vader over and over again. He punches him to the floor. He's punching him against the barricade. He grabs a chair, hits him in the leg, hits him in the head with it. Like, he realizes he can't win this match. He's got to fight this yeah, guy. He's, got, he's, he's not going to out-wrestle Vader. He's got to get out of here. Yeah, he can't out-wrestle him. He can't be the dirtiest player in the game. He can't outmaneuver this guy. He's just got to fight back. And he just decides, fuck it then, I'm fighting back. Yeah, and it's like the crowd's going crazy. Building's going insane. He gets the figure four on. Uh, Vader gets the ropes, though. Um, Vader go uh, earlier in the match, he went for like the big uh, Vader splash off the ropes. Missed that. He went for the moonsault here. He missed that. Flair goes for a cover. Harley Race goes up top. He's trying to hit the headbutt. But then he Flair moves, and uh, Harley gets his own guy, and the ref just shoves Harley Race out of the ring. And then Vader cuts Flair off one more time, but then Flair chops his leg out, stacks him up on himself, one, two, three, and the crowd just loses their minds. He did it again. Ric Flair, world champ. What was this, 12? I think think so yeah the math is always kind of weird because WWE yeah, kind of picks and chooses which ones they I think this is either 12 or 11 and it's also kind of weird too that like 20 yeah yeah and it's all kind of weird too because you got the NWA title which is different than this title which is different than the international title it was it was still a disaster like like it as cool as this moment is there is still like the WCW is still an absolute fucking mess thing you know what I mean where it's you know Mostly because Flair left, and, and like yeah. he when like he kind of started all this because when he left, like the whole title just kind of went into disarray. But also, it's WCW leaving the NWA causes disarray. Them kind of deciding to switch the title without the NWA's permission. Just a lot of like dumb red tape stuff that led to just a very very confusing uh, thing where you know this isn't technically the NWA heavyweight title. This is the WCW heavyweight title. But again, like I said, people didn't really care about that title specifically. It was just they're celebrating. Rick Flair. They're celebrating this man has won one of the big belts in the in 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 the in the business in the company, but more than anything, he survived, and we're going to get Rick Flair again. And and you know what? Whatever. It's just Rick Flair. We're just celebrating Rick Flair today. It's a Starcade tenth yeah. anniversary, and we're here to celebrate Rick Flair in, in Charlotte. So I mean, that, at the end of the day, that's what it was. 
Yep, Flair survives, and his career goes on just long enough to do a couple jobs for Hulk Hogan. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Where his career would, uh, he would unfortunately, though, lose his career at, uh, what was it, Bash at the Beach 94 in the cage match. And that would be uh, the final time Ric Flair ever wrestled um, yep. in August of, of 1994, if you remember, or July of 1994. That was uh, that was it. So, um or maybe it was Halloween um, he, Havoc that he decided that. Well, one of those he yeah, uh, retired it was forever. Halloween Havoc. Yeah, maybe you're right. So it was Halloween Havoc that he retired forever. So, so October uh, of 1994 was the it was the final match of Ric Flair's career. So, yep, that was it. I can't recall um, any others. And, I mean, if you can name any others, I, you're more than welcome to. But uh, and the main event of Starcade '94 was Hulk Hogan versus the Butcher, <laughs> Brother Brutal. Which, <laughs> Imagine being a WCW fan then. You're going from that to that. In a year. In a year, you went from this to that. Man. (laughs) God. From Vader punching Ric Flair in the face so much that he's just bursting with blood to the butcher. (laughs) Ed Leslie. (laughs) The Dungeon of Doom. Ric Flair's career one year. Right. Kevin Sullivan the next. Right, Ric Flair Kevin crying. Kevin Sullivan and his weirdos. Hugging his family and crying and then taking a limo with Mean Gene who's just like, Rick, this could be the last time you're ever going to do this. And Rick goes, I'm not even thinking about that, Mean <laughs> Gene. I'm, yeah. I'm just thinking about it. And then the next year it's the Dungeon of Doom and the Butcher. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Maybe uh, my theme was a WCW blowing really good right? opportunities. I guess, yeah. How does this company that does so many things so good also do so many things so bad? Yeah, so it's it's a... That's a good theme uh, as well. And uh, I'll, fi- I'll finish up with my uh, final match here. Um, Great Sasuke, Gran Hamada, Masato Yakashiji versus Takamichi Noku Terraboy and Dick Togum. Well-known as the Michinoku Pro Six-Man uh, from ECW, barely legal 1997. And uh, when I picked Bait and Dunn, like, one of the things I said about that match is, you know, it was really cool that the crowd just did not care at all about these guys. And as the match went on, the match went on, the match went on, people did care. And... Uh, Alan Cunahan, Alan Forel, of course, picked up on this. He says uh, on the on Patreon, says, uh, Rich, I love your two picks. Those two matches and the Dragon Gate six-man in Chicago are my holy trinity of matches that totally won over an unfamiliar crowd. And then he he did he did nail it. That is exactly why I picked this match. Because there are when these guys come out, they're Michinoku Pro guys, and ECW was obviously a, a you know a tape trader heavy uh fan base, and 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 those people were somewhat aware of these guys. And and there were a few people that would throw in they threw in a bunch of streamers at the beginning or whatever. But the crowd is kind of like, yeah, you know, they're there for ECW Barry Legal nineteen ninety seven. They're not really there to watch, you know, the Michinoku Pro guys ply their craft and it doesn't take but five minutes for them to realize, oh, wait a minute, this is going to fucking rock. And then these guys go, and they have this match, and it is an awesome six-man match. Just pure Michinoku Pro style here. I will say what's a pretty interesting, this match goes 16 minutes or, or just under 17 minutes. There is a point where the crowd gets a little bored. It's about like 11 minutes in. They're like, all right, we're, I think we've seen it all. We're ready to go. And then these guys go into another gear for like the final five minutes of the match, and the crowd ends just... Jumping up and down, screaming, high-fiving, just standing ovations for these guys. Just an awesome, awesome match. If you've never seen this before, go out of your way to watch this. Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave it four and a half stars. Uh, cage match, 8.71 right now uh, on cage match. But, uh, yeah, you're seeing the best of the best of Great Sasuke, the best of Dick Togo, the best of Takamichinoku. Terry Boy's incredible in this match. Grand Hamada's incredible in this match. Uh, Yakusiji, who you probably don't know. A lot of people probably have never seen him. He's the guy that looks like a Power Ranger and everybody chant the the always... Uh, <laughs> The always, always nice flat. ECW arena decides to chant Power Ranger at him all the time until he does like seven moves in a row 
And then they stop doing that because they're like, oh, wait, this guy actually fucking rocks. So we're just going to let him do his thing. But, uh, yeah, this uh, this is an awesome, awesome match. And, yeah, totally wins the crowd over. The crowd is all in on these guys uh, towards the end of this match. And uh, just a, a really, really cool match that if you've never seen before. Uh, mind-blowing stuff that was being done here in 1997. And these guys would obviously do this, um, you know, in Michinoku Pro even years prior, but then take this to America uh, in 1997 and, and, and just, you know, let everybody know, okay, this style is 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 awesome. And it feels a lot like the WCW Cruiserweight style, but it's even more matic and even more crazy than that and took it to a just a completely different level. So obviously WWE decided that, uh, hey, we need some of this, so they're going to great, bring great Sasuke and then have a light heavyweight tournament with like Scott Taylor and like a bunch of well, dudes who uh, were good at high flying at all. And Scott Putzky. And like, that's, that's it, Scott Putzky. <laughs> right. That was the name. That's the name you're thinking of. It's like, yeah, it's just the exact opposite of how you should do this. But uh, what do you think of this uh, Barely Legal 97 Michinoku Pro uh, six man here? Well, I was a little confused. They said that one guy was Dip Togo, but I didn't see any groat wires anywhere. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. It's... You know, I didn't see any heat, you know. Like nobody he didn't, he didn't pull a referee out of the ring at all. You know, that's kind of weird. No. But yeah, this is the first time I ever saw this match. Like, I think I started to watch it one time, but then I just never got through it. I may have gotten interrupted or something. But yeah, this is the first time I've seen this match. And it like, like it lives up to it. It's really good. Like, um, fun note, Taka Mishinoku, Dick Togo, both in the New Japan Cup. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, they're out of it now, but they were, were in yeah. it. We're yeah. in the actual current <laughs> New Japan Cup. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. But yeah, w- one thing I noticed about this match, too, is that the ECW ring is definitely not ready for like this type of action on it. Like That ring is was... so held together by string. It's so loud when these guys are doing their thing. It is, And that's kind of like, that was kind of a thing in ECW. It was a very loud ring, and that's cool. That was nice. But in this match, it's so loud because these guys are just always bouncing on it, and always jumping, and always running, and always leaping. So it's a very, I was say, the loudest ring you will ever hear, ever. I was going to say, I love the loud ring. I really like it. Like, it just, like... It makes you feel like you're it's in the action. Of, yeah, it makes right, it makes the yeah. chaos, especially with a, a match like this where there's so much chaos going in and there's six guys just doing shit for 16 minutes. I mean, the ring is always bouncing, always making noise. Like uh, you, you, you can sense that like there's so much chaos going that this ring is just bouncing up and down and up and down and up and down with no chance to even slow down. Yeah, like, and then yeah, this match is just like it is a bunch of spots. It's like a pro like. Would it be wrong in calling it like <laughs> a predecessor to the Dragon Gate Six Man, like kind of like a uh, not like a setup for? It, no, like, no, I think I, I don't. Dragon Gate was coming, but like no, I I honestly don't think you're wrong. And Alan kind of brought that up too. That like the Holy Grail of like or the Holy Trinity, he said of 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 matches that you know people, you know crowds, unfamiliar crowds. You know, learning and yeah, it's just kind of the same style here, where it's just like, all right, look, you don't know who any of these people are. But it's not going to matter. You know what I mean? Like in, in a few minutes, you're going to know who these people are. You're about are. to find out. Right. And it's like, and, and and credit to ECW and credit to Ring of Honor to just say, hey, do whatever the hell you guys got to do. Who cares? Blow the rest of the doors off this entire show. Like no one's going to be able to follow you. And they follow this with Shane Douglas and Pitbull number two, by the way, which oh, yeah, uh, was not as uh, good as this match was. So, but that like match was bad anyway. Yeah, it was a horrible and match. They and, have to follow yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not great. But uh, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that they just kind of said, hey, here's your time and go out there and do whatever you guys got to do. We don't care about the rules. Don't don't give a shit about anything. Just go out there and, and let people know who you are. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think... 
I don't think you're wrong. That yeah, it's a very much a predecessor, and I, I'm sure Gabe Sapolsky was influenced by this match when he booked that Dragon Gate Six Man. I'm, I'm positive of it. I mean, there's no way he wasn't. And I guess we could probably we could probably ask Gabe if you know that played any part of it. But yeah, it does feel like the spiritual predecessor of of, of the Dragon Gate Six Man. Yeah, I like it's that fast paced, you know, Japanese junior style. If you like it, you're gonna like this, you know. Um, some notes that I took, um, uh, Joey Styles claimed that, uh, Sasuke wrestled in the Tokyo Dome the night before in front of 50,000 people. I did some research. Uh-oh. He did wrestle in the Tokyo Dome the night before, which is crazy. Going from the Dome to the ECW Arena. <laughs> yeah, Viking Hall or whatever in the 2300 Arena, yeah. Swanson and Rittner. Um, in front of 50,000, I will question that. Muted for a burp there. Yeah, you. I can't. No, are you? T- you're telling me. <laughs> you, Sue Williams, are telling me here on March 10th, 2022, that New Japan is lying about their attendance in the Tokyo Dome. I mean, if I just they don't have it. No, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> well, look. All I'm saying is they did forty thousand for that one uh, Tokyo Dome, and they were calling. And were they calling that a sellout? Uh, they have like a lot. Yeah, the, the, the Superdome vacancy has a very uh, wide range. of. <laughs> they can go Superdome vacancy uh, from 25,000 all the way to 60,000. It's it's amazing. You know, it's all about it's the setup. It's all about works. the setup. Yeah. <laughs> you know. How big is the stage? Maybe that. Right, right, right. Did they, uh, so I'm looking at this too. They said 60,500. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's absurd. Well, style said 50,000. Yeah. New Japan claims K- 60,000 on cage match. Okay, maybe Joey got his numbers from Dave on that one. Yeah, well, I'm dubious about um, both numbers, but yes. uh, yeah, that's uh, as am I. Yeah, yeah. Um, the faces did the awesome spot from Fire Pro where like you tag your partner in and then you both like drum on the guy's back. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That pop, that spot, I pop for that. They did the one oh. thing where they uh, they had great Sasuke in the ring, and they they laid him uh, over uh, their knees, and then and, all three of Taka, Terraboy, and Dick Togo posed on this oh, on the, yeah, on the throne awesome. body of Great Sasuke. That ruled. What also ruled was the Kerry Collins Panthers jersey in the front row. Oh, I don't know if I noticed that one. Hell yeah, that's a great jersey. right in the front row on the uh, hard cam side. You just see Collins. I think it was twelve. I think that was Kerry Collins. I, it probably was. Yeah, no, that I'm 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 pretty sure it was. Yeah, that was a hell, that's a cool jersey. The Panthers jerseys back in those days. Oh were yeah, pretty cool. I guess they're still pretty cool. I guess. Uh, in a bit, good but. looking jerseys. Yeah, good looking. Yeah. yeah, their yeah. team stinks, but <laughs> right. Unfortunately, I hope you're not Maybe. actually a fan uh, uh, of the team. But uh, yeah, that oh, no. uh, Saints fan all the way. That was but, the yeah. year I'm looking up '97. Uh, he had 11 touchdowns to 21 interceptions that year. Kerry Collins. Uh, you'd be shocked to know that that would be uh, he would not last much longer in Carolina. He'd be traded to New Orleans. Oh, great! Next year, but he would not last in New Orleans. He'd go to New uh, New York then after that. So, yeah, I think uh, those were Aaron, the Aaron Brooks years for New Orleans. So he must have been backing them up. And then, uh, what the Panthers would have gone on to Delome? I think it was. Jake yeah, DeLome. I think so. Yeah, I forget if there was somebody in close. between. I thought if there was somebody in between the Jake Delome, I'm sure there was, but I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't remember my. Uh... It doesn't matter. They ran into the. Did they? I don't remember if they beat the Eagles or if they got hit the brick wall. 
It doesn't matter. <laughs> They're the Panthers. They didn't win anything. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. They did not win the Super Bowl. That's all you need to know. But uh, yeah, that's uh, it, it's it's a match that yeah, if you've never seen, definitely want to go out of your way to check out just to see the style. And uh, if you want to watch more, I mean, the, there's a lot of this era of Michinoku Pro very readily available for you. I mean, the easiest way to do this is probably just go to Taka Michinoku's cage match, go to the match guide, sort by rating, and you'll see a lot of uh, multi-man tags. And most of those are worth your time, so you can check those out. Or you can go to, you know, if you've never seen Great Sasuke before, it's a great opportunity to kind of get involved with, uh, or sorry, the Great Sasuke, as <laughs> Joey so yes. Styles kept saying. And, uh, and uh, you got that. But uh, oh, I think it was at one point the ring announcer um, goes, the Great Sasuke. And Joey Styles goes, nice job by a ring announcer. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> Okay, job uh, I have. Yeah. close. It's close. Not not great, but uh, I'm not one to uh, to criticize anyone's pronunciations of uh, of anything. But uh, yeah, if you've really? never seen this match before, you? go and watch it. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm usually <laughs> ironclad in on my in my pronunciations, but uh, yeah, great great match. Uh, and really, just yeah, Alan picked up on the theme. It was you know matches where the crowd slowly you know doesn't know anything about the guys, and by the end are just like you know just jumping up and down, loving uh, what they're seeing because the match is is incredible. So. There you go, and that has been Suit and Rich recommend matches to each other, and that has been this episode of the Flagship Podcast. Suit, I, I, before we got on, I said, hey, do you want to go three hours? And you said, ah, we'll see what happens. We went three hours, because of course, somehow, someway, we went three hours. I, I, was, I told you, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll plan on two. We'll see what two happens. Uh, two did not happen. We went the full Hey, three. I said, you know, let it ride. Let's you see said how let it, it ride, so... There it is. But uh, before we depart, Suit, uh, do you want to get your plugs out of the way? Let people know where they can follow you, where they can see some of your work, where they can listen uh, to some other stuff that you do as well. Plug away, Suit. Voicesofwrestling.com. Well, you would have found it if you found this show. But, yeah, I, uh, I've i been doing a Brock Lesnar retrospective series called The Brockumentary. Uh, another chapter is coming. I've uh, gotten up to... Well, basically, it's a career retrospective of Brock Lesnar's first run in WWE. I am up to SummerSlam 2003. That chapter will be coming sometime soon. Um, Follow me on Twitter, at Suit Williams. Um, If you like hearing my voice, um, I do a podcast with my friend Mel, where uh, we talk about sports and we also talk about wrestling. It's called Smark Sports, S-M-A-R-K. And uh, you can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. And yeah, that is, that's me. That's pretty much it. There you go. Well, uh, Suit, thank you so much for coming on here and doing this. Uh, it, it was a blast. Uh, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, we have done those WrestleMania weekend previews. We've done some other stuff uh, as well on audio. But, you know, when, when Joe was gone and he was saying, you know, I do whatever you want to do with the flagship this week, uh, you're one of the first names I thought about of like, hey, it'd be really cool to get Suit on here, get his thoughts, talk to him about these the, you know, shows. And it just so happened we had an all-time great AEW show to talk about and a bunch of other uh, great stuff. So I want to thank you so much for, for stepping up to do this. I uh, really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, well, I'll have to have you back on. Uh, sometime very, very soon as well, or, or at least have you on sometime soon to talk about something, whether it's on Patreon, whether it's the WrestleMania weekend, something, we will definitely touch base uh, again very, very soon. And I hope that we can go uh, watch some wrestling shows uh, together very, very soon as well. So, um, Oh, yeah. Hey, pleasure was mine. Well, thanks. The only bad part is I won't have a flagship to listen to tomorrow. Yeah, that, that sucks. I it's, am on it. It sucks. I know. I always tell Andrew Rich when I'm done with a, a guest spot on Music of the Mad, I'm like, mother... Fucker, now what am I going to do for two weeks? Like, I'm not going to be able to listen <laughs> to your show. So it definitely it cuts into your uh, 
uh, into your day. But uh, Suit, thank you again for doing that. At Suit Williams uh, is how you can follow him. And that is it for us. So, of course, uh, make sure you uh, support our sponsor, HelloFresh, HelloFresh.com, slash VOW16, promo code VOW16 to get 16 free meals and three free gifts. So for Suit Williams, I'm Rich Krejci. This has been the Flagship Podcast. Take care.